I retain the belt of your best friendship. You're damn right. <laughs> it pretty much has your name on it. Yeah. We got a lot. We got a lot to talk about this week. We got some good comics. Uh, a lot happened in our lives, and we're gonna tell you about it whether you like it or not. Uh, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about the WWE. Uh, we got the uh, Money in the Bank and Raw yesterday, and SmackDown is on right now. And neither of us are watching it. Clearly, <laughs> no, no, I just don't care right now. I just, <laughs> just kind of got in late. Mm. Uh, we're just we're recording on time like uh guys like we want to make sure we're starting to record on time for you guys because it's been like a lot of a lot of kick-ass revelations and and learning how to record this and making sure the product is as good as it possibly can be but one of those things is deadlines and we figured out a way to really get this done so you can listen to this on the way while you're going to get your new comics on wednesday to get caught up on maybe there's something you missed that you need to hopefully is still available uh from last week Colin, what'd you do this week? Uh, it was a busy week. Uh, you know, I'm still recovering from this eye surgery. Um, people keep saying, oh, do you have LASIK? No, I have that planned in the future. I don't, uh, you know, this is not a, not a typical procedure as far as anyone knows or is concerned. And, um, you know, I'm actually looking at this uh, uh, piece of paper on my bulletin board in front of me that has a reference to a doctor who could have done this surgery from some time ago, the point and and my my eyeglasses prescription that's totally wrong. Uh, I didn't even realize they were there. Basically, I just had a procedure done where they they uh, they straightened my eyesight out. Um, <clears throat> I like to think like if you put your both hands out in front of you and you kind of imagine your your two fists like phasing into one another, that's seeing straight. But I would see where my eyes were separate or where my fists would be separated from one another. And my right one would be a little bit lower. And uh, so I had a prism in my lens. I hated it. And I've been really, really pissed about it for about five years. It's like being prescribed something you're addicted to for the rest of your life. And uh, no one would help me. No Optometrists, multiple optometrists kept telling me like, no, there's not really anything you can do. You're addicted to it now. And uh, then I'd go to a LASIK place and they'd be really dismissive because they knew it didn't matter. Yeah, you can have perfect 2020 eyesight, but... You can't, uh, you still won't be able to see straight. So you'll still have to have four-figure uh, priced glasses. And that's just BS. So uh, I... You found a, a, a German guy in the depths of the uh, shady underground of Oklahoma City mad scientist eye surgery it was, to it, conduct something? It was, it was more <laughs> like uh, the minority report, if you recall the scenes with Tom Cruise re after he got his eyes replaced. But no... Um, no, I'm, I'm not watching a Tom Cruise movie. Dude, you I'm haven't seen that the... movie? My no, I'm not, watching... I'm not watching the Tom Cruise movie until he is bent over and taking it. Oh, man. All right. <clears throat> he might not be a bottom. <laughs> uh, uh, he, yeah, I mean, I, I went to the, to the Dean McGee Eye Center, and I'm probably not saying that correct. I guess, I guess I should look, you know, how do you exactly say that? The Dean McGee, and I didn't even intend on just pitching this, but the Dean McGee Eye Surgery Center in Oklahoma City... And uh, I'd never, I'd never met a doctor that made me feel more confident that we could do something. That was just like, yeah, this is a four millimeter fix. It's not a big deal. They took the muscles off of my left eye. They realigned it. I don't even know how because I was under general anesthesia the whole time. And uh, yes. I wake up and I have stitches in my eye, but you can't tell 
anything has happened to me except that I have like the white of my eye is all red. And I know that sounds gruesome and it is an invasive thing, but they didn't have to cut me open. They didn't do anything that seems to be lasting except fix my problem. And I'm, I'm really, really happy about it. Uh, so far, this has been an extraordinary good experience. I, I've got stitches that are just going to disintegrate in there. And um, yeah, they're still in there. I feel them, but they're not bothering me. And I, I kept thinking I was going to wake up feeling like somebody hit me in the side of the face with a brick. Not at all. I've barely used the pain reliever they prescribed me. And they were like, this is a 45-minute procedure. You come in on a Thursday, you take Friday off, and you could be back at work on Monday. And that's really true. So Folks, if you're out there and you've, you've got a medical procedure that uh, you're afraid of, think about the rest of your life and whether or not it's worth living with that problem. I'm, I'm very happy right now, and I'll, I'll let you guys know how I feel a year out, two years, ten years. We'll just see where I am because uh, I'm wearing sunglasses again, and I love it. How'd you? Oh, what did you do this week? <laughs> Dude, I would... I would kill to have a regular ass pair of sunglasses again or a cheap ass pair of sunglasses. I've had the same pair of wafer Ray-Bans mm -hmm. I've had for like four years. They're beat to shit, but they're, they're Ray-Bans and I'm getting my damn money's worth out of it. But I, I really want to buy a shitty old pair of glasses that I see at like at a gas station just for fun. And I, I have to, I, I, I'm completely confined to glasses and I'm actually after ear bravery has inspired me. I was good. Fun. No, it's totally, it totally has. I'm, I'm glad you did it, man. You were miserable as shit. But yeah, can you tell us what, can you tell us what movie you're working on? Oh, I just did a, a workshop. It wasn't exactly a movie. Uh, there's a local production company in Oklahoma City. It's NGP, Nathan Gardaki Productions. And uh, they, um, they are working with students out of our various film programs in a lot of our technical schools, trade schools, community colleges, and uh, even OU has a bit of a film program. Um, and uh, the thing is, you, you always hear about people going to film school or something like that, but how many, or taking, you know, getting a degree in a film program, a lot of that stuff is appreciation. It doesn't really show you, teach you how to make a movie, how to make a short film, how to get into television, news broadcasting, um, feature filmmaking, commercials. It's a technical Pro, uh, skill and so the NGP workshop was uh, something they started last year and I ended up getting a, 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 a like a real paying gig and um, uh, not being able to do it last time but this time I got to teach uh, some of what I do art department and props um, some graphic design uh, set dressing art direction things like that and uh, my uh, cohort Sean Lynch who was a student when I was a student years ago at Oklahoma City Community College in their film and video program. Uh, he was my co-instructor in the art department. We taught about, uh, what was it, nine or ten students. And um, I got to say, they were really pretty good. They were savvy. Think about people who are like, maybe just imagine everybody has six facets. And some of these people had one or two of those facets. And they're young or they're inexperienced. Then we had some people who had life experiences under their belts because they're in their 30s. And, you know, that, that always, you know, those things help. But uh, everybody brings their talents. Everybody brings their skill to every job. And uh, so 
these students did a, a really great a great job. There were students from all kinds of different departments, camera, wardrobe, makeup, hair, uh, the uh, assistant directors, locations, script supervision, grips, electric, all of that stuff. And uh, if you don't know what any of that stuff means, hey, email us. I'll tell you. Uh, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll lay it all out there. I've got a, got a real, um, a, like a, not a dictionary answer, but I've got a description for each of those things. And I, I, I never condescend to anybody because I don't know what anybody knows and there's no reason to, but it was, it was a good project. It was a short film. We filmed all day Sunday, which is why I missed money in the bank. And, uh, some, sometime this week, I'm, I'm going to sit down and watch, watch that, uh, uh, on uh, the network, on the WWE network, but uh, I still, despite all that, managed to read some of my comics this morning. Uh, <laughs> I was busy from Wednesday until, I'm going to say, Sunday night, and then Monday all day, where there were tornadoes and incredible flooding going on here in Oklahoma. So that was kind of all I paid attention to and did yesterday. And it's Tuesday we had a, now. We had a blizzard last night, dude. What? Yeah, we had a blizzard last night. It was crazy. Like, I was leaving for work. It took me forever to get home from work last night. And then, but luckily, I grew up in Alaska and learned how to drive on the ice. The real trick is to stay the fuck away from every asshole ever. It's pretty much the, the name of the game is to just brake check everyone until they realize, oh, he doesn't like how close I am to me. <laughs> I am to him. Like, and it takes these assholes a while to realize that because you'll have, like, 20 yards in front of you in, in between the next car, and some dickhead will think that's his spot. And it's, it just, it doesn't work. Uh, Jim, my big brother, uh, he, uh, he told me the reason why everyone in Colorado drives like a bunch of assholes is because most of these assholes aren't from Colorado and they all drive from all the respective places. They're from Dallas, OKC, LA, uh, Washington, you name it. And mm -hmm. it, it really, it makes sense. So luckily I've been pretty fortunate except this one like 10 car pile up i got in like in 2015 that sucked tell, uh, tell everybody what kind of car you're driving and how you can handle that car in those those climate conditions well it's it's a i got a 2012 honda civic si it's all black i i named her elvira i'm thinking about changing her name to selena because i was waxing her the other day and just listening <laughs> to selena listening yeah. to selena just blasting i'm like <laughs> she's Selena's, and then I was like, maybe I should rename her. And then my my uh, witch intuition was like, uh, dude, Selena, Selena's dead. It's <laughs> a good point. As much as <laughs> I love Selena, hmm. yeah. No, it's 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 front wheel drive. It's standard, and I am constantly shifting in that thing. And I think most people would get really irritated by that. But the absolute control—not that I'm some control freak—the absolute immediate control of the six speed. I mean, I don't even know why it even has a first gear. It's it it. It second gear reacts to the way first gear does on a regular standard on any other type of car. It's so fucking sensitive, but um, wow. <clears throat> you just gotta you just gotta pay attention. Make sure that you you know where you are. You're you're Schwarzenegger. You're you know I see everything, <laughs> and yeah, it's 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 a it's, it's a fun little car. Uh, you know why I missed Money in the Bank on Sunday? There's two good reasons. Because you don't care. Oh no no no. Because I got completely obliterated, hammered, drunk at uh, my buddy Jill's uh, girlfriend's uh, birthday party. They had a Mexican theme party. They're like, "What Mexican are you?" And I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" I was even wearing a Lucha Underground hoodie, and uh, oh. I, I bought some. I bought some whiskey, and and we all got it done that night. And then we, uh, I woke up 
still in my shoes, still in my hoodie, keys in my pocket, just refreshed as much as someone that is still probably still drunk can be. And uh, we went to we went to Village Inn and uh, oh, Jill's you have one Village of the, Inns up there? Yeah, we have Village Inn here, man. Oh and, man. Uh, and I wanted to go to like I was still dirty and I was I was like I was feeling like I did back in the day when I was DJ and I'd wake up just filthy <laughs> and covered in shame and and uh, reeking of whatever and and uh, I was like let's go to Waffle House and Jill's like fuck that I want Village Inn I'm like okay cool and we get there and Jill is one of the coolest people I've ever met in my fucking life man she's this big she's one of the awesomest gingers I've ever met in my life she's she's tough but she's a lady cool yeah if she's tough but she's a lady and she is the coolest fucking mohawk i've ever met in my life and beautiful mohawk and she just rocks it she's always wearing kick-ass puma and she's got a great kick-ass girlfriend and i call her bex but her name's becky i don't know why and i've never met anyone that's like nine inch nails as much as me mm-hmm. and uh I, I gave her a bootleg uh nine inch nails shirt i had from i got like a 94 that i've never worn because I was worried about it. I'm like, you know, no, I think she would dig this. And she was all happy and we got totally fucked up. And then the next morning we're, we're walking into, well, we're pulling up to village Inn, and there's all these cars and Bex is just like, fuck church crowd. And yeah, like, dude, it's and for real. Like, and I was like, no, this is going to be great. When was the last time you showed up at a village Inn all fucked up? Like you got it done last night. And she's like, you're right. And I was like, you want to have a catty fucking goth, breakfast and she's like let's do it <laughs> and i was and then so we're, we're waiting and we're waiting to get sat and i was like i sure hope we get sat next to an old guy sitting by himself with a picture of his dead wife eating his lunch all alone and you know <laughs> what like, listen that's more goth than anything you're wearing i know well she's like god damn and i was like hey you told me to turn on the juice and then so it just got nastier and nastier throughout. The only, the only thing that it really did was just make us sad because we couldn't sit there for three hours smoking cigarettes. And all of us had worked in food service at one point or another, so we couldn't be mean to our waitress who never visited us. Oh, that's rough. Uh, but still, we, were, we, we had a great caddy guff. Got it done last night. I don't Stinky. know if... Man, I don't know if people realize how real that is if you go back and watch the goth kids on south park sitting around That's at village completely Inn, real that is completely legit. real I used are to you do little that. shit's gonna order anything no we're just gonna drink coffee and smoke cigarettes <laughs> <laughs> i used Talk to do about that at uh, the village inn at uh on harvard in tulsa and then all of those kids were going to the denny's on may in okc oh yeah um, i remember that one that, that one i've been there a few anymore. times you know what uh, i think that I denny's think got knocked down and turned into a uh, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> they, they, they did the same thing to the Denny's in Norman by the shitty, like, uh, if you're doing meth and need a place to stay and do meth, uh, like like Motel 6, I can't remember the fuck it was. And, uh, yeah, that, we used to be there all the time smoking cigarettes till like, 4 in the morning, if not later, and uh, just smoking and smoking and smoking and drawing and talking about poetry and Rasputina and how... <laughs> how shitty we hate everyone at the goth night, but we all secretly really want them all to like us. <laughs> Dude, that's, that's the truth. You get, yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, you got it. You all, all of our listeners and subscribers, you've got to forgive us. We haven't really got to talk this week. When I get busy, I get down the rabbit hole and we haven't caught up very much. Uh, Cause when, when I, when I haven't been at work, I've been asleep, but um, well, 
Second reason, second reason I missed uh, Money in the Bank was when I got home, I just uh, took a sh- took a shot and went right to fucking sleep. I was so fucking tired, and also <laughs> I-, I also didn't give two fucking shits about it when I read all the results like at four in the morning when I woke up. I was just so disappointed. Like they're stealing opportunities from wrestlers that are doing their best to really do. Like if that makes any sense, they're doing their best to do their best in an environment that is shitty morale. And they were not told that Brock Lesnar was going to show up and win that. Yeah, I I turned on uh, I turned on Raw last night. Right, like maybe ten minutes in, and. Seth Rollins was on in the ring still with his championship and uh, the universal championship as it is. And there was Brock Lesnar with the money in the bank suitcase. And I was like, what? And uh, cause I, he wasn't even, a, he wasn't even a competitor. How, tell me how did he get into the ring? Oh, he just showed up. He just showed <laughs> up and beat yep. everybody like F five, everybody through ladders. And then, yep. Yep. Climbed yep. up there and took it. Yep. Uh, some other highlights was Finn Balor taking some really dangerous bumps from Baron Corbin on the ladders. Um, oh, man. I want to watch that. I'm, I'm a big Finn Balor fan. Oh, I, I am too, man. But, like, I'm reading these results, and I just – and I'm seeing what's happening right now. And mm-hmm. I, to, to all our listeners, I don't want to hate WWE. I want to like it. I desperately want to like this product. I grew up with it, yeah. and I and and I I just feel like it's in the hands of of a demented uh, Jerry Jones from the Dallas Cowboys that's running things, and he's old and he doesn't know what the fuck's going on, and he doesn't care. He wants things to be his way, and and you know he probably still says the n word behind the scenes, but no one knows it. And uh, they need to give it to fucking Hunter, man. Like it, it makes perfect sense. And it's not one of those things where it writes itself. It's one of those things where Hunter has made NXT into one of the top quality products in the whole oh, entire true. world. If you go in to any live show, world. you'll have three or four clowns that all came together. And, you know, I mean that in the best possible light, three or four guys who are uh, super fans and they're chanting NXT NXT yeah. at the top of their lungs when like heavy machinery comes out or Ricochet or Alistair Black, Black or any of those dudes, you know. Uh, yeah, a lot of those dudes. A lot of those dudes got robbed, man. Neville, who is now Pac, um, not really Big E and Xavier Woods because they were almost buried and and you know New Day took off accidentally, uh, despite WWE's best efforts to bury them. Um, Big E Seth, should be uh, back tonight on SmackDown as it is. Nice. I hope so. Uh, yeah. But I want to. I want to finish talking about Money in the Bank. Yeah, yeah. Go. All I really, all I really gotta say is I think it's bullshit that what they're doing with Brock Lesnar. Hey, no one. That's both of them. That's both of them. There he goes. Yeah, that was inevitable. I'm surprised we got this long. That's Jack and KJ. Uh, our two big ass German Jack shepherds. Jack and KJ chiming in. They've got chiming things in. to say. Well, I said Brock Lesnar, and I guess they thought he was here. And... <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, I just think it was bullshit what they did, and I'm, I'm glad Kofi kept the belt, even though I wanted my boy Kevin Owens to get it because he deserves some some sort of push because they're not doing jack shit with him. Oh, they're and... doing stuff with him. It's just not like it's just not, dude. If anybody's over, it's KO. He's it's not for... his potential though. Yeah, but go back to what last year when he headbutted 
Vince McMahon and split yeah, his forehead open, Vince's head, awesome. not KO, and got fired and then came back, and it's all part of the story. I mean, nobody gets to do that. You were right when you said it. I was like, dude, that's that's crazy town. And you were like, no, dude, you imagine the amount of respect and trust they've got for that guy to be able to actually pull that off. With uh, the old man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that shit's nuts. But, you know, I think they're doing stuff with KO. But, uh, yeah, it'd be awesome. I mean, Kofi Mania is a huge deal right now. It'd be awesome if KO ripped it off from him, make him unbelievably hated and then give Kofi something to aspire to to get it back. That's that's a really good plan. I mean, honestly, I would I hope they they let Kofi at least keep it in less, at least until SummerSlam and just turn KO into the biggest piece of shit, get some hardcore heat on his ass and, you know, just keep making that like perfect babyface heel story that's going on with Kofi and KO. It's it it's a, it's so much fun to watch. Um the other thing is um I was, I honestly didn't know what I wanted to happen with uh, Charlotte and Becky and uh, whoever decided to show up, which eventually happened. And you know, uh, Bailey, Bailey. yeah, (laughs) Bailey came out. She cashed in. I I love immediate cash-ins. When Dean did it two years ago, fucking just blew Mm -hmm. my mind. Just the way he shoved the the way he shoved the the briefcase into the into the into the ref like now this is happening now ring the fucking bell <laughs> yeah let's do, let's do this i don't have time and uh bailey came out man the the crowd popped like crazy for him uh for her and i'm 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 happy for her i mean i i want her i i know her potential from seeing her in NXT she had one of the greatest matches of all time with with Sasha at Brooklyn Takeover and i just i just don't want that we just don't want it to be obvious i guess well yeah not obvious but like we see all these reports and i want to talk about raw next um about how raw was like one of the big rag sheet deals was that it was so ragtag and they were rewriting things while the show was going on no one knew what the fuck was going on and i did see that briefly a second ago mm-hmm. and uh it just it just bothers me because one of the best pieces of advice I've ever got, a piece of advice I've ever got in my life, is uh, the path to success is 99.9% preparation and 0.1% execution. Hey man, that's my career right there. The the job is done in pre-pro. You're, you'll you'll do everything better if you can if you can spend one week, two weeks, three weeks, a month prepping a job, for real. Well, what do you think about Rob? Rob was. Honestly, I thought pretty entertaining last night. Uh, it was one of the ones I've. Uh, it was one of the better ones I've seen in a while, and I didn't. I mean, there's some of it I got to really pay attention to, and others not as much. But uh, the and I'm starting to change my mind about the um, wild card rule because it it doesn't make so much of a difference. I think to the TV crowd, you know, you you it'd be amazing to me if somebody was like, oh, I only watch the blue brand. Period. Well, like, you're, tr- you're changing your personnel constantly. That's like just saying to me, like, as a Thunder fan, an OKC Thunder fan, like, I only care about the Thunder. It's more or less true, but, like, I still care about Serge Ibaka, and I love Ennis Cantor. And uh, if I see those guys, at Tabo Cephalosha, when those guys show up on another team, I'm like, 
I'm re- I'm happy to see them do well on other teams you're, if they you're, do. You're talking about the Thunder. I know exactly, but that's what I'm saying about the wild card rule. When you're flipping people back and forth, you can't just like Raw or just like SmackDown. So like if you're watching the TV, watching it on TV, and you're not in the audience, which only one or you know two lucky cities per week gets to be involved in, you show up and you're like. Last year, okay, cool, I'm at SmackDown, I know these guys are going to be here, and that's it. Now I'm starting to think about this this policy, because the opportunity to just up and, like, steal the Raw Women's Championship belt and take it back over to SmackDown. Can we do something like that? How fun would that be? They freaking ripped us off. We have to go over and get our stuff back. How much more fun would it be... To Ooh, like, that's, that, that's happened before, and it was awesome. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, let, let go back to Team Extreme, the Hardy Boys. They had a, had belts. They what? They got they got fired, or they didn't get their contracts renewed, and they took the belts with them. Like, yeah, yeah. we're not showing up. I mean, that's that was even out of an entire uh, franchise to a whole yeah. other wrestling territory. But like, I think that would be fun. And what I'm digging is uh, the it, Mick Foley. Was at Raw last night, and he. Okay, hold on. Sa- 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 save that part for last, because that's 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 my chime for this. Okay, talk okay, that's fine. Yeah. Rocks, uh, that you can. Last. Do you want me not not to talk about the the guy or the event? The event. I, no, I you want, want you, the I, event? I, I, okay, I, fine. I, I want you to stay away from the new belt. I want you to talk about everything else. Oh come on! All right, I'll I'll tell you what I think when you put, when you put, get to throw it. Okay, put that one last. All right, so I turned on the episode and I got in like ten minutes or fifteen minutes into it. There's Seth Rollins, like I said, and uh, and then uh, and uh, Brock Lesnar's out there with Paul Heyman, who uh, honestly I love Paul Heyman. Uh, go back if you think that guy's a turd. Go back and watch the October episode of Raw where uh, where Roman Reigns tearfully had to leave the program because of his cancer diagnosis, and then watch uh, watch go get online and find Paul Heyman like hugging him in the back. It's amazing. Um, you know these guys are real guys. Kayfabe pretty much doesn't exist anymore. But like to get to get to get the whole program of getting. Seth and Kofi on the same team, defending their belts or not defending their belts. I mean, okay, whatever. You know, that that was going to be fun. And it's the whole question. I like this idea that uh, Brock Lesnar's in their head. He's not in their head. None of that shit matters. But, yeah, he should have gone out there and done it. But you can look at the freaking clock. If it's 10 o'clock when, uh, when the show is... When, when that's happening, you know Brock Lesnar's not cashing in Money in the Bank contract when there's 10 minutes left in the program and they fight, they fight, they fight, they defeat the other guys. And give me a break. Baron Corbin got tapped out and he had his eyes looking for the tap out, looking at the ref, and we could see everything in the camera. I'm not yep. saying the guy's an Academy Award winning actor, but that's, that's, that shit drives me crazy. When you Bad don't sell the possibility that it's remotely real, it's it takes me out of the event, just like somebody breaking the fourth wall in in a movie or whatever else. Uh, yeah, but it, it, you it also pisses you off as a filmmaker because you can well, you yeah. like why not cut away like there's there's four other cameras around this goddamn room, cut to someone else. <laughs> Some of that stuff's going to be impossible, and I, every episode is directed by somebody. There's a director. 
directing each of these cameras. There's somebody in there. These guys all have radios. It's like, all right, go away over here. Go away over here. Go, go over there. Uh, camera four, camera four, camera 16. It's, this is a massive effort. If you've ever been to a, a wrestling show live, you will see a bunch of camera people. And this is a big task to manage. So I'm just saying like, you know, I, I give them some, some, I give Baron Corbin some grief for that. Not the camera and not the director. Uh, I, I want to chime in about the cameras. Uh -huh. uh, Y2J, you know, Chris Jericho, my hero. <laughs> yes. Um, in his book, he was talking about how Vince, in one of his books, I can't remember which one exactly, because I've read them, I think there's all four of them. Uh-huh. Uh, he's talking about how he had a match with Batista, and they were not allowed to, you know, the, there's no color. There's a no color yeah, rule. Right. And Batista broke it. And Ooh. the old man was furious. And... They pulled him in, and I think the ref as well, and wants to know is responsible. And Chris Jericho was just, what the fuck's going on? And Vince shows him video footage from cameras. He had no fucking idea even existed in the crowd. This is probably like late 2000s, and or, what, I can't remember. Jesus, I can't remember which book it was. It was either late 2000s or like... Uh, early, you know, early 2010s. I can't remember exactly. Sorry, guys, I don't remember the exact date. But they had camera footage, like spy shit, zooming yeah. in on, zooming in on Batista doing the blade job. And wow. And Batista's like, yeah, it's my fault. I did it. And I'll pay everyone's fine. Like Vince is like, I'm finding every single one of you. And Batista's like, no, you're not. You're going to find me, all of that. I'll pay it all myself. That's, uh, you know what? That's more, uh, that's, I don't know what to call that. I mean, St stand up guyery. <laughs> I guess so. That's more of whatever, uh, positive vibe I want to throw at him that I think, than I, I would have given him any credit for, but I Dude, dig he's, that. That's cool. He's responsible for James Gunn getting back on the helm, helm for fucking guardians three. He's the one that said, you don't do it. You don't bring him back. You ain't got me. I don't give a fuck what you ought to say. He's the one that helped get all the other actors on board and make that letter and they all sign that they that this was unfair. And he did say, you don't you don't get him and you don't get me. We'll have to talk about that soon because I, I understand what's going on with it, but I think it's worth recapping for everybody at some point, uh, maybe in our next one or something. Give us the opportunity to research it. I want to make sure... And if, if anybody knows the true story, the whole story, uh, as it has been reported, because multiple media outlets, I'm sure, have, have said plenty about this. If you guys know, let us know so we can get it out there. We will totally cite you for having uh, taken the time to do the research. What did you think of uh, Cesaro's new intro? I Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I liked his old intro. It, it was very the bond? specific. Yeah, it, was, it, it made sense. He's the Swiss cyborg. I almost wonder why they don't do something with that. Like, why doesn't he have a, a robotic theme or a Terminator theme? But he's not somebody you can take seriously because the bar isn't a team that you can take seriously. They, they are heels and they're defeated constantly. And, um, I mean, they were the tag, they were, it was a tag team champions between them and like Seth and Roman when, uh, uh they were I, when I started really getting excited about wrestling and, but like, so the intro, 
it just doesn't have as much personality. Yeah, but he's he's Swiss. He's not English. Bond is English. It never made sense to me when they did a fucking James Bond thing. I think it was just because... Well, didn't he have, like, a suit on in the intro? Yeah, just like James Bond. And they, and they also had, the like, the, the Paris police siren thing going on. Yeah. I yeah. just don't know. Yeah, Somehow or another, out of all the guys, out of all the men's locker room, who would you peg as being Bond-esque outside of Cesaro before he uh, unfortunately got his, got his teeth busted out by Seth Rollins? The Miz. Not bad. Yeah, he's pretty chiseled, but he's kind of short compared. I love the dude that I keep seeing the ads for Miz and Mrs. and they were they were uh saying that the um the uh he got the dad bod award or whatever and I'm like I That's can bullshit. see that. He's got a great bod. He's awesome. He's awesome. Like he's well he got like the sexiest dad bod, not like the uh dipshit dad bod. Um he he looks good. Like the Miz the more I hated him when I started out watching uh, wrestling, but I love that guy. I cheered for him like crazy at WrestleMania. And the last time he was in town, I, I, I would love to meet that guy. I think he's just a good sport and he gets his, he gets his role. And uh, you were right a long time ago. I was like, man, I don't want to see him winning and stuff. And you're like, dude, that guy's won everything. He doesn't have to win anything. He is right. a professional heel, but like right now he is super over. So, but the Cesaro thing, um, dude, you know what? I love Ricochet. So if they're going to, if they're, cause that guy can do amazing stuff and it seems like he does the same stuff every time, but he's actually got a new move that he debuts. It seems like once a month, uh, love that. And, and him, him and Cesaro going at it on a repeated basis would be cool because I don't want to see Cesaro disappear just because he and Sheamus got split up by the uh, by the, uh, the superstar shakeup. Um, I don't know. I mean, but I just don't feel like that particular intro gives him any any personality. And I didn't. I also didn't like how rushed it felt for him to do his like signature head crack before he did that move on uh, against Ricochet in the match. Um, if you're if you don't have time, if you don't remember to do it, or if you're just trying to fit it in, I'd say don't do it because I would way rather be looking at these guys being um, focused on not on on fighting each other, but not hurting each other because they were dicking something up to get their shtick in there. You know what I mean? Right. But and um, that's that's precisely my problem with Shane McMahon coming out and calling out Roman Reigns for that Vince bullshit. And then it's like, Hey, guess what? At the super show, you know, the one in India, the one, Oh yeah. I'm going to be the, Is you it know, India? the one in, no, it's Is in it Saudi Jetta? Arabia. Jetta, it's in Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Arabia. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the one that I honestly, I'm going to pull the fucking left card on this one and be like, it's bullshit. They're doing this. Cause the girls can't go. Um, because some asshole chic that has like million dollar couches for the first couple of rows wants to fucking watch this. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and they're like, yeah, you're, you're you're a coward and all this bullshit. And he's like, oh yeah, by the way, uh, your your opponent there at, at the Super Showdown, which just sounds like a fucking McDonald's meal to me. The, I the, know. the best English word that these assholes in Saudi Arabia would would understand. Um, Drew McIntyre, dude, you back in the day in SmackDown Attitude Era, and I'm not saying I want this. 
uh, all of the SmackDown. Uh, I'm sorry, the all of the Attitude Era back. But you you turn on Raw and and you would see these guys hungry for who are they fighting? Like like waiting for the coach to put up that that the listing of who they're gonna fight and That'd just get cool. excited. To just get excited about it, and then you know there was there's always a few you know occurring feuds that were going on that were you know the the main heartbeat of both SmackDown and Raw. Yeah. But these guys were who am I fighting this week? You know this is gonna be great. Like I'm just you know like, oh you're getting paired with this guy today, and this is gonna happen. Oh, man, that's crazy. Why hasn't this happened before? This is gonna be awesome. Like it, that that excitement has been stolen from us, and that's another reason why. Dude, it'd be amazing if they knew who they were going to fight and we saw it so we could see them prepping for it. Okay, so I got to fight Finn Balor next week? How do I did prep do that. for that? How they do did I do that? Dude, that'd be nuts. How do I counter his move? How do I counter this? What if he gets me in one of these holds or something like that? And I'm not saying, because, dude, I, I seriously like Dancing with the Stars and all that shit. I don't need, I mean, this. It, oh, man. Is WWE a reality series? It is, man. Oh, it is, but, man. Oh, that's disgusting. What a horrible thing to realize. But, like, I don't need this to be a reality series where it's, like, them, you know, okay, I gotta, it's so hard to learn how to do my moves and it's so difficult to blah, blah, blah or something. That, honestly, and I'm, I'm not saying this to be a turd, but that's the type of thing that I think would do better in Japan, in J Japanese wrestling. Because there is a market for, and even ROH, I think there is a market for <coughs> the, like, personal interview aspect there. A moment of bliss is a, it is a gag. It is always something that you're, you're never going to actually get anything legit out of it. Um, it's, it's, it's been a recurring theme for years. Yeah. Pipe, Piper's Pit, uh, Y2J, um... Uh, who else has done it? The the Miz TV moment of bliss. I'm just the only thing that makes me happy about that is B getting to see Alexa Bliss. Uh, I forgot A. Oh. <laughs> I was so distracted by uh, Alexa Bliss that no, I forgot to list her. Yeah, I mean no, she's but, a great character. She's, she's a great she's performer. Hurt. She's oh, hurt. There's they're still they're still utilizing her. Then That's, why aren't they that, doing that something that like that with Paige? Because Paige is done dude <laughs> i don't Paige know dude she's pushing asuka and um oh, what's the no, other no, girl no Kier, no i mean Kier? i mean as a wrestler as a no wrestler. i know it but you can still she's... run a show renee does not wrestle and she has awesome commentary as a as a live commentator Th what... this this is this is gonna sound shitty dude but renee alexa bliss there's not a bunch of videos out there of her getting plowed in fucking eight different ways in eight different places, shoving shit up her ass, preparing for Alberto. Um, I'm that sucks that that's out there. That was private. That was stolen. She should Wait, never who have are been. You talking about Alberto? I'm talking about I'm talking about Paige, dude. Oh no, no, but, I get that. But, well, they, I see. They, yeah, that's a good point. You know, that's the whole had, China syndrome. If you want, they, they had. Call they had to, de to delay that fucking fighting with my family movie for almost a year because of that shit to blow over. Man, oh, yeah, good point. And 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 guys, I'm not in any way disrespecting Paige. I love that girl. I've got her action figures. I've seen every single one of her matches. Uh, I, I I got actual cable when I found out I was missing matches with Paige on Hulu, uh, and. I'm sorry that happened to her, 
whatever someone does in the bedroom is none of anyone else's business and she got hacked and that sucks. You know, she had her fun, but unfortunately she's in a, a company that is controlled by fucking stockholders and an old man that probably, probably wanted to bury her at the same time while he was secretly jerking off to it, like later on in his office, man. That stands and that's, totally reasonable chance i guess you know yeah that's i'm not trying to be funny or be shitty but that that happened to her and what i'm saying about alexa is is that she's hurt she's been hurt for a really goddamn long time what, and what's hurting st- what's 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 broken oh god I don't, I don't even remember what happened to her uh, but she's hurt she's hurt but they're still utilizing her which is not a tendency that uh, WWE does when someone's hurt, usually they bury them, punish them in some way, but I'm glad that they're still doing with her. I, I, I saw that uh, moment of bliss and it, it just, she, she should, she should be backstage with a clipboard rewriting things before they happen because she's that goddamn good on the mic. And I, there's so much natural, emphasis to everything she does i i can imagine from knowing that you can tell when they're we're trying to remember things and she's just going off the cuff that she's that good on the mic and she's that good in the ring and and i just can't wait for her to really get out there again and hopefully you know it'll it'll be soon because there's a lot of people out there that she needs to fuck up dude look at this i'm i mean i'm looking at a at a uh, tweet from her recently my career is just fine. Thank you for your concern, though. Ringside News was uh, tweeting, Alexa Bliss' career could be in jeopardy after another concussion. And this was reported on the uh, the uh, 18th, just the other day, this month. <clears throat> uh, yeah. I Did honestly, you, wa- you know, yeah, you're right. If, uh, if, um, if they're putting her in the forefront like that, this isn't like a pregnancy that they try to hide by underutilizing an actress in the middle of a season or of a, of a TV series or something or putting off a movie or recasting an actress because of a pregnancy or something. This is a legit injury, but it's undisclosed, and the suspicion is that it's a concussion. And, uh, yeah, this is a world where we pay attention to that. Um, their their concussion protocol like is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and, and some people have paid the price. Chris Benoit. Among other unfortunate people involved in that situation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you did you watch the uh, – did you get to pay attention to Lynch, Bliss, Nikki Cross versus uh, Lacey Evans, the Iconics? I mean, Lynch, she was in the match, but she wasn't like – she wasn't full on in it, you know? Yeah, that's right. She really didn't seem to uh, have as much – you know, she she was. They're trying to pull that stuff that they do lately, where it's like whoever Kofi is is wrestling, the other guy's gonna get beat up and beat up and beat up and beat up, and then they're finally gonna get in there. So they, so you know, they're just gonna tag them in, and the place goes crazy, and then they get up or, there and f it up. That's or you're cleared. The guys up. You're cleared, but you're not really that cleared. Just go and do a couple things, help them win, look good, and yeah. uh, don't don't fuck it, don't don't get hurt. Uh, I don't know. I, I saw that one. I didn't dig it. It just. I didn't care. I, I you know what? It, it, it you know what's freaking match. me out now is that the closer we get the camera to Nikki Cross, the less I want to see her. I like her being crazy. I like her being wild. 
now it looks like she's got a split personality disorder and that they haven't fleshed out. And this isn't even like uh, a Bray Wyatt level of split personality disorder, you know? This Ooh, is... I love it. Love it. Love what they're doing today. Yeah, I mean, I used to, I used to think, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mess with Bray Wyatt, but giving him the clean look, kind of awesome. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't, whatever he's wearing. I just hope that he comes back like when we see him actually wrestling again, that he's coming back like Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman is looking fit. That guy has yeah. been lifting weights, working out. He looks amazing. I am so glad to see him out of that singlet top and in those like string tanks. He looks like a real cool guy now instead of this like freaky, disgusting person. And Bray Wyatt, this whole thing that they're pushing with him, God bless him. I don't want any of these guys being injured. And I, it's awesome to see him like on the verge of coming back with some kind of creepy thing that uh, I don't know if they're going to, you know, I, how soon are the Hardy boys coming out? I'd love to see him work with Matt Hardy again, but I think we're done with the broken Matt Hardy scheme. And, um, and that was fun last year. That was fun for a while. But, uh, when I saw Bray in his new mask and when yeah. I, I saw, I, I loved all of those, uh, uh, Firefly Playhouse. That was I don't crazy. think they're done with that. I don't think they'll play uh, I, that I, a little bit I, I, I hope not. Honestly, man, I gotta tell you, my mom let me watch every horror movie I wanted to as long as there wasn't fucking in it. And if, <laughs> yeah. and if there was, I had to leave the room if she knew it was coming. And then I got to come back in when it was done. Which I was fine with, because I had already seen the end-all, be-all titties of all time on t my first set of tits on fucking television, or in a movie, was Total Recall. So I really couldn't get past the, the, the three. But, uh, <laughs> the three, but, um, the one movie that scared the living dog shit out of me when I was a kid was Pee-wee's Playhouse. There was something wrong with really? that man. There was something wrong with everything that there was going on. Large Marge made me piss my fucking oh, pants. Oh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, Pee-wee's... Pee even, even the, the Pee-wee's Playhouse bothered me. There was something wrong with that fucking man. And oh, I knew it. Oh, come on. And, no, no, there's something fucking wrong with him, man. I'm not... I'm gonna stand by that forever. All right. And... Paul Rubens. And Paul Rubens and... Man, we were I talking about... about you. We were, we were talking shit... We were talking shit the other day in the smoke shack at work, and someone was... We, I, we brought up the same thing, and... and I I just it just bothered me and I was like yeah they're like that movie scared you I'm like there was the large Mart thing was scary but Dude, it was just it's the, legit scary that there was something wrong about him even especially that scene when he's in that dinosaur talking to that girl and everything else involved with it it just it just bothered me Pee-wee's Pee Playhouse upset me I was. I couldn't turn the TV off fast enough after the cartoons ended on Saturday and then Pee-wee's Pee-wee started. That's and hilarious, man. I was obsessed it, with it. I loved it. I watched it all the time. And and I hated Mr. Rogers. I was born as fuck. I hate fucking Boy Scouts. And but that 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 just bothered me. And um the fact that they're utilizing that and then that like the the the, the toys are great. I love his sweaters. Um but then when the mask came out, I'm like, great. Uh, so he's a member of Slipknot now. And then like, <laughs> I, I, and then, and then Tom Savini posts on fucking Instagram. I designed this mask. I'm like, yeah, 
Of course you did. Because Tom Savini just did Corey Taylor's new mask for fucking Slipknot. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and, and I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's cool. I love Slipknot. I, I remember when we first got the first one uh, back in 99, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, what's that? that Whatever's going to happen, they... <laughs> I really hope they don't fuck it up, and they probably will, because they're building up to something awesome. Like you are gonna terrorize all the children. Heath, the stuff that Heath, they did in those Heath Slater. <laughs> Heath Slater. <laughs> Give me a break. <clears throat> the uh, the things that they did. I mean, if you're trying to make a family friendly show that's PG, <laughs> that does that doesn't have color, that's what they just did last night. With showing all the kids in that promo is just wrong. That's not the right way to do it. Uh, you don't. You don't think so? You don't think it was scary enough, or do you think they went too far? I think they went a little too far. I think they shouldn't have involved the kids. That is gonna. That. That's just. That was legit scary, dude. Everything they're doing in that is. You look at look at Bray. Okay, cool. There's Bray. No big deal. But there's the witch and the buzzard. And it's all a little off in such a way that makes Bray Wyatt who he is. But, um... Whatever it is, it's better than that stupid fucking, like, whatever match he had with Randy Orton in that, you know, Midwestern house that wasn't that scary. What the hell was oh, that? I don't what, even recall what, that. What match was that? It was the... Oh, so you, you, weren't, you weren't around when they did that match at the Wyatt compound... And there's all those cars in the field, and they had a knockdown drag out with the New Day. That was awesome. <laughs> oh no way! That sounds yeah. rad. Yeah, it, that was that was awesome. That that was something definitely that couldn't be fucked with. <laughs> oh man, Randy Orton. Ugh, not my favorite guy. But uh, what else do we have here? Uh, you. Uh, oh man, yeah, The Miz, Drew McIntyre, Shane. I mean. Just let them fight. Just let them keep fighting. I don't understand why it's got to be the Miz pitted with Shane through somebody. At a certain point, yeah. if you've got Drew McIntyre being the money's bitch, then you've defanged Drew McIntyre. Because when he came into it, at the beginning of uh, last year, after WrestleMania, with uh, Dolph Ziggler, and went after... Seth Rollins, over and over and over again. Um, that was their thing, like, end complacency. Well, at a certain point, Drew McIntyre, he's losing He's losing the character's edge if this is the direction they're going, if he's going to be Shane's patsy. But, you know, whatever. I mean, the story changes. They change people's personalities and people's uh, direction all the time. <clears throat> Seth Rollins, Kofi, Baron Corbin, and Bobby Lashley. No DQ. At least Bobby Lashley got to use his own voice for once. Oh, God, I'm so glad that that fucking Leo, what's his name, Leo is Rush. fucking buried. I, I could never stand that guy. He was He's a good wrestler. He's great. He was great at NXT. Oh, he's physically very impressive. Yeah. But but the, he's, he's a dumbass when it comes to behind-the-scenes... Uh, playing by the books or even knowing the game and demanding his wife's there and demanding double what they want to pay him. I mean, I can imagine that he thought he like some kid that really got too far too fast could make that rationality 
But if you're surrounded by guys that are constantly telling you, like, dude, what are you doing? You're fucking up. And he's buried now. And I'm just glad he's gone. I love Bobby Lashley. And I'm tired of the pancakes. I think they need to get a new. It's not that I'm tired of the pancakes because I thought they were dumb. Uh, we need a new food. I think they should go out and start throwing pizza at people or something. Like, it's too messy. Let's pick a new food. Hot. <laughs> it's messy. It's meat products. Well, then make Big E a fucking vegan. And <laughs> <laughs> get it. Get the vegan uh, WWE championship again. <laughs> oh, the sustainable it, it belt. It was ugly, but it was cool and better been made completely out of hemp. And I hope, I hope that Daniel Bryan smoked the living shit out of that afterwards to help him after his defeating loss at the Mania. Did you like the match, though, man? Uh, yeah, it was cool. I mean, it was it was entertaining. I still can't get over uh, um, Kofi Kingston's physique. Uh, you know, the guy's got arms, but he has no. It just I can't understand it. He has no upper body strength, but I, he at the same time he can do stuff that I can't do. I cannot believe him like getting in there and fl- flipping around and like flinging people like he does. And then uh, I really really like the Trouble in Paradise move. Uh, I'm really impressed with any of these guys who get up and like double kick people and slam down on the mat. Uh, I'd have broken arms and messed up shoulders, and I'm sure they do too. But um, yeah, I just it's 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 unbelievable. Um like I said though, you know, Corbin losing like he did, fine, but like, you know, it, making it so completely obvious that that just chaps me. Uh what else though? I mean, Seth was down for a while. It always weirds me out when it's like somebody gets knocked out of the ring and they're on the ground and you're watching the action and there's two guys versus one guy for a couple of minutes and then Suddenly, this guy always comes back at exactly the right time. It's it's a bit done. And uh, we don't even know what they're doing down there. You know, they're rolling around in agony. I mean, the people in the front row know what the hell's up, for sure. But if they're not putting the cameras on it, then the rest of the world doesn't know. And I'm just like, okay, they're collecting themselves and testing to see if they're bleeding. Or I don't know what the hell they're doing. Stretching? It's just... I think they I think they let that crap run on too long. And that was part of it. Like in the middle of the match, Seth was down for a while. And I just caught myself thinking about it and going, why do they do that? And we don't know. If you've got four cameras running around the place, put it in another box. Oh, Seth is still down. Is he gonna get up? Oh, is oh Seth Seth's clearly got a problem. Oh look, did he lose a tooth? What's the deal? Did he lose a contact? You know, I don't know. But they could, whatever, just show it. That's a good point. Yeah, that would be awesome. Just get beyond that, you know. Like, like if they Why focus there two on two matches right happening at the same time. Why wasn't Baron and, Sh- and Seth fighting in one part of the ring, and Kofi and, and Lashley fighting in outside of the ring, or something like that? You know. I like I like your double split idea, man. Like if if the 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 uh, commentators can see everything <laughs> theoretically on their little TVs, yeah. if one of the the, the camera guys goes up to Seth and he's laying there and, and you hear Renee like, get your ass up, get your ass. Come oh, on, I know, something. dude. I love it when the crowd oh. is right there and they're like, go, 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 come on. You got to get up. You got to get up. Dude, I love that stuff. I want to hear that stuff. Acting is reacting. And the people who are reacting to the action are the, are the fans. 
I want to see and feel the energy of what's going on in the front three rows. I want to hear that crowd. They need to be pumping that into us on the t on TV, you know. And I mean, like, cause like that's it, dude. We gotta get front row seats sometime. I want to be you there, think, you know. And, and you like, if we can split rows? screen, I'm sorry. If we can split screen commercials, uh, and the action with no volume on SmackDown every Tuesday night. They do it on NASCAR all the time. Yeah. Then why yeah. the hell can't we do that on Raw? Why, why, why are we flapping our gums for entire segments of the show and then cutting away in the middle of the actual in-ring action? Because we're not telling the story in the ring. And my complaint is, if we can do that, do the split screen for ads on SmackDown, then why can't we do it on Raw? And um, it's not like they're on different channels where there's some stipulation saying we can't do it or that they can't do it. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm willing to cut the uh, cut the uh, the volume to hear the Snickers ad or the General Dollar or Dollar General ad or whatever they happen to be pitching in the moment. But um, yeah, man, I don't know. That's that's my that's that's my beef with that. But Bobby Le or uh, Brock Lesnar coming out at the end, obviously that was kind of cool. But it made me wonder. There was that moment where Seth had the had the chair, and I was like. Because, you know, so they've been beating each other with a folding chair like they do. And I, I thought to myself, I was like, oh, dude, you know, like, would he, would he let Brock go after Kofi? Kofi, Brock's not going to go after Kofi. Brock's, or, no. I'm, yeah, Brock's, Brock's going to go after Seth for getting the belt. There's no stipulation that says that they would lose both, like, each of them would lose their belt. Uh... You know, it'd be the question of, you know, which which contract are you, for which for which title are you cashing in the contract? But uh, when when Seth picked up that chair, I was thinking to myself, if this is really it, and I know it, it isn't because I'm looking at the clock and they're not going to go past ten. So you guys blew nope. the surprise right there. You could have filled this show with ten more minutes of twenty four seven belt. You know, I, I don't know. You just get to that point, and I'm like, guys, credulity. I want credulity. That's all I'm saying. Tell me your thoughts on the 24-7 book. Massively entertaining, except that it was a, a, the D-list of the WWE locker room going after that thing. Uh, but I don't understand why, you're, why we would be counting Robert Roode into that, except that they haven't been doing anything with him. Uh, except changing his name lately and and uh, keeping him looking like a like a, like a polished I don't know what like he just looks good he's, he's, he looks fit he looks awesome he's an Adonis yeah belt no belt Bobby Robert doesn't matter that guy's great with or without a, a cohort though I was wait who was his who was his guy that was running around there Gable yeah I mean when when Gable and Kurt or Kurt Angle fought uh recently on the farewell tour um i really appreciated that that gable like talked to uh talked to kurt angle for a second before the match and said you know like you're an inspiration to me you know you've been you've the whole been reason he's guys. there oh my god dude for real that was that was awesome and then uh but yeah the 24 7 belt hilarious hilarious fun i want to see 
from one week to the next them say, yeah, uh, this week on Thursday, um, our truth lost it to Gold Dust because Gold Dust snuck in out of costume, had a ref out of costume. Like every week they could open it with some new guys got it or Robert Roode has it for seven weeks consecutive or some craziness. And uh, it's just wild. That's wild, ridiculous. Remind me about Gold Dust in a moment. Oh God, I love Gold Dust. I was listening to a kick-ass Gold Dust podcast about his favorite, uh, uh, about his WrestleMania moment. Was it with Rowdy Roddy Piper? I can't recall. The, the infamous Roddy, car chase? Roddy Piper. The infamous car chase. <laughs> oh, he, my God. He, what he, a great he really, He really ran, mm-hmm. ran him over, man. And, and then he had a concussion. Yeah, and they they actually crudely spray painted that Cadillac, bought it off a lot like a couple of hours beforehand, and crudely spray painted it gold, and <laughs> told them what had to get done. the The story of that is incredible. Now, before I launch into this belt, this new belt, do you have anything else to say? No, 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 no. Let's go to that. I'm just gonna say, guys, gold dust. Seriously, you might not take him seriously, but um. I- one of the best wrestlers, one of the best characters, a, a gutsy guy that was handed a gutsy concept years before it was okay and it went over and it rolled with it. If you're a young guy listening to this who never watched wrestling uh, or if you just got into it or whatever, I'm just going to say get online, find that story straight from the man's mouth. Uh, it's a it's a stage interview at an event, and it's totally who, worth it. Who, oh, he's behind the big screen. He's talking. Uh, I, I yeah, he's in front of a big a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's I just saw awesome. that a couple of weeks ago. Um, I listen to YouTube videos while I'm in the shower on a Bluetooth speaker. I listen to YouTube videos while I'm getting ready. I have the phone clicked up on a little thing, and I'm listening to the speaker on my towel rack. And I like, I just, I just want content all the time. I just. I'm not saying that I sit there and I look at my phone 24-7. I don't have to do that. I love taking a book with me. I take my comics. I take a book off my shelf, a comic book off my shelf, a book about the Cold War, a book about the Civil War, a book about yep. like being a better human or better man. I'm constantly into content, and I can't read in the shower, so I listen to stuff. Sometimes it's just listening to Hans Zimmer's Man of Steel soundtrack. I just I just bought that the other day. I can't get enough of that. But like... For real, gold dust. That was a great interview. Anyway, carry on with the uh, with the what you've got for us. <laughs> Unless you want to comment on what I'm saying, <laughs> you can say whatever you want. No, no, no. I'm just I'm just happy that you're that happy. And uh, like you weren't a couple weeks ago, told me like uh, since last year you've had a, a YouTube Red uh, subscription because of Cobra Kai. That's right. I can't. I, I canceled mine after I watched it three times in a row. Because I was yeah. done watching it, and, it. and I re- I restarted it. I restarted it to watch season two, and I fucking wanted to break everything in my room at at the end of season two. I, I haven't got to watch it happening. yet. I can't wait to watch won't, it. I, no, I'm finally won't tell you. Up. Won't tell you. Okay. Won't tell you. Anyway, Captain Spoiler uh, yeah, alert here. YouTube Red is is the shit. No commercials is worth the ex- is worth ten dollars a month to not hear some incessant babble about some stupid shit. Yeah. Second off, to actually first off to move to the the better point, uh, 
Josh Harding messaged me earlier. You oh, know, oh, Josh. Josh. Rules. Hope he's doing good. And he was, you know, he's doing great. And he messages me his his wife uh, Christine. We call her XTN. Um, <clears throat> he's like, did you see the new twenty four seven belt? And I was like, yeah. And I think it's a missed up. I think it's a missed opportunity. I'm gonna re- read you. Okay, go. Direct from direct from the text. Let me pull this up. Did you see WWE sort of brought back the hardcore belt? I said missed opportunity. If Josh is writing it, him and I, <laughs> Uncle Mick, Uncle Mick, which is who we've called mankind since we've known each other. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we landed on that. We just called him Uncle Mick. The hardcore belt was originally given in, in okay, so the 24-7 belt is a throwback to the hardcore belt. The hardcore belt was originally given to Mick Foley back when he was Mankind by a, still in a wheelchair by getting beat the fuck up by him, uh, Mankind, to get him off his back because Mick Foley was a crazy son of a bitch that kept losing his goddamn mind and violently assaulting people. And <laughs> they, 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 they gave him a belt which looked like a uh, uh, not a big goldie, but the winged eagle one that had been broken, and then crudely duct taped together, like within thirty seconds, real quick. You got to make a belt with a broken belt, duct tape it real quick, and then write in sharpie hardcore on the one clear piece of duct tape in the front. And they give him they give him the hardcore belt and. It just it's it's just basically a no no rules necessary belt. Yeah. Um, he's the first he's the first one that has it. He immediately loses it the next night. <laughs> um, no, not next night. It was like maybe about like two weeks later. Um, it's it's hardcore. It's just it's just a hardcore. They they're trying to get some EC EC dub shit going, and then when hardcore Holly got it. Hardcore Holly, actually it wasn't Hardcore Holly. It was uh, God. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Thinking. Hold on. It was Crash Holly. There's a few Hollies, and uh, he says I'm putting a 24/7 rule on this. 24/7, 365 days a year. This belt is up for grabs. And then then starts a couple of years long cavalcade of ridiculous nonsense brutality we're talking <laughs> knockdown drag outs like the dude that has it is walking out of the fucking terminal at the airport and there's four dudes waiting for him with a conveniently placed ref and have a knockdown drag out in the baggage area and like at, at, at like Chuck E. Cheese or DZ place like in the ball ball pit area uh-huh. he and, specifically pointed that out Chuck E. Cheese yeah yeah, and the the one that stands out in my mind when my buddies and I were all fucked up watching it in the dorms back at UNM when I my first freshman year of college, um, <laughs> I can't remember who it was because we were that fucked up. But Gold Dust comes into the infirmary and this dude is just all fucked up. <laughs> Does a fruity sixty nine fucking uh, pin on the guy and one two. Three, so not to wake the guy up, and then, and then the hurricane comes out of nowhere and just knocks the goddamn shit out of gold dust. <laughs> same, same ref, one, two, three. Uh, he's 
holding it up for like a couple of seconds and then Molly comes out of nowhere and knocks the dog shit out of him. <laughs> it was just it was just so much fun. Uh, it was like three I want to say three year, three and a half years ago, maybe three. Uh, when the Hardcore Belt History DVD three set came out, oh, I was cool. all right. Yeah, <laughs> I climbed off of my girlfriend at the time, and it was like midnight. And all of a sudden, in that awesome moment of clarity, I remembered that I forgot to go to Walmart to buy the fucking DVD, and I said, "I gotta go," <laughs> <laughs> and, and went and bought it. And it's one of the best DVDs the DVDs ever put out. Uh, Josh and I swear by it. And um, when I say missed opportunity, now that you know what I'm talking about, back to Josh and I's conversation. Did you see WWE sort of brought back the hardcore belt? And I said, yeah, it was a missed opportunity. If o Josh was writing it, Uncle Mook, Uncle Mick would have violently beaten the first winner, shattering it, destroying it, pulling out some duct tape and putting it back together and writing hardcore on it. And asked XCN for approval on the idea. And she said, he said, yes. She said yes with the caveat that he used thumbtacks as bling for the belt. Face out, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Face out, obviously. It's such an ugly belt that should have happened. That should have been the only reason it should have been that ugly was for it to get covered in blood and whatever, whatever, whatever it mud or whatever they're, they're fighting in to make it dirty and even uglier than the original one. But having been transcribed hardcore as Mick Foley lost his mind and then retitled it the Hardcore 24-7 one and pieced it together just to give it that awesomeness that because there's only one other one person in the whole world that could have done that and that could have that had to have been Uncle Mick, Mankind, Miss Foley's baby boy. That's my missed opportunity there for, I dig for that. these guys. I totally get that. Because it is so it is the ugliest belt I've ever seen in my life. It's worse than the Bush League fake ass leather shit from triple a or, or, or dragon's gate. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's something I would imagine that is even worse than like a indie title promotion that isn't even on Twitch. That's how ugly that belt is. I'm looking at, yeah, I looked at it and I remember seeing the big empty gold area, uh, yeah. on the left and right. You're never going to get a name on that thing. No, you're not. Like I saw that and I was like, they're never, they're not going to put, people's names on that that's not the icw the uh inner kind of, oh my god i'm spacing right now icwb well, you know what i really want you know how we uh how we uh always we like that meme <laughs> people uh people carrying around title belts at uh wrestling events should have to <laughs> defend them <laughs> defend them i swear yep let's get a 24 7 belt and Beat the shit out of each other over and over again for it. Uh, for minefields? <laughs> I mean, like, let's go to an event with one and, like, just stage that concept repeatedly. So we have to make a minefields belt. Oh, we'll have to make a minefields belt. Yeah, that'd be great. We should have a minefields belt. But we have to figure out what the stipulations are for uh, for uh, its, its awarding. <laughs> Knives mm -hmm. only. <laughs> Knives out. The Radiohead song. <laughs> Mon monkey, mon uh, monkey knife fights only. Monkey knife fight. <laughs> oh, but that's that. That's all I got for that one, man. I want right to move on to the comics. Comics. Yeah, that was serious. But uh, let's take a break for a minute. We're an hour plus in. Uh, let's take a break. I'm gonna grab another hot tea because I drink that stuff. 
All right, give me a clap when I need to stop. Page. All right, guys, we're back from a good old pee break and some Fritos and maybe something else. Fritos. We're going to talk about some comic books. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, put some fucking uh, hot sauce on those. Uh, Frank's goes best on, on Fritos. I invented the Joshua Michael snack the other day. Really? My cousin John John. My cousin John John. I uh, posted on Instagram. And John John messaged me. Well, this is Jonathan, but he's always John John to me. He's a kick ass dude. Uh, just a picture of some uh, chicharrones, you know, the, the baconettes, the, the extra spicy ones. I don't and know what that is. I don't my remember extra... that. Baconettes? Is it? Yeah, bacon? they're pork. Yeah, they're. they're... No, the pork rinds, dude. It's pork rinds. Oh yeah, chicharrones. No, anyway, I don't think I've ever got into that. At anyway, all the, 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 those are the best ones on the market. I can eat a thousand of them, uh -huh. but I, I was eating them at work, and I realized I had a big bottle of some Tabasco sauce, and I'm like, screw oh, it, yeah. let's do this. Just covered, like, put them out on a plate, covered them in hot sauce, and it was delightful. And then he messes me back, and he's like, I appreciate your services to the world, sir. These were awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But yeah, I want to start out on a high note. I really want to start on a high note. Now, this one came out two weeks ago, but I want to talk about this. The Punisher number 11. Um, we're talking uh, written by written by Matthew Rosenberg, artist by Simon Krasinski, colorist Antonio Favela, letterer VCs Corey Pettit. God, we got to talk to those VC guys, man. Uh, <laughs> cover artist Greg Smallwood. And mm -hmm. Krasinski's artwork is so good that he doesn't have to do the cover that's how good the meat and potatoes in inside of this is and uh dude smallwood knocked the cover out of the park it, it's an odd oddly textured it looks a little simplistic but that's not if i said it was simple if, you're, if we're doing an art critique in college if i said something simple looking then we've got a problem oh, but if yeah. it's simplistic if it's simplistic, that's a completely different word. We've got Baron Zemo holding the Punisher with two Uzis in his hands. You know, big old long black leather trench coat, kick-ass classic uh, Punisher logo on his shirt, looking over his shoulder. And I love the 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 foreshadowing, the, the way a true comic book should really foreshadow. Like you 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 look at the cover and like, man, whatever's happening here, if this cover is accurate. We're going to have a good time. Yeah. Immediately we get into this and it is a high speed crotch rocket rice burner, knockdown, drag out the matrix frozen. You can look at it in four different perspectives. Uh, shoot out. Yeah. <clears throat> and all these guys are in connection with each other. The Punisher is on his way to Baron Zemo's big HQ in his newly formed country where he is trying to have a conversation with a couple of dignitaries from a few different countries that he's really hoping will back them up. And at the moment, uh, the Punisher just overtook the uh, the main bridge from the last issue in a tank that he absconded with. And these guys are all hooked into uh, their, their communicators. And they're like, did you get him? Did you get him? And the bullets are flying. The detail, the action. Like, oh, the second page, the second page splash page of one of these guys crashing and fire everywhere and it's a perspective where you see like someone's hand that's about to fall off uh a motorcycle is in forefront 
and then you see someone speeding along. You see this poor bastard that's blown up in the in the back corner, and you see the Punisher in the shadows. What little shadows you can have in a in a giant uh, inferno, just shooting, concentrating. And half this is a motorcycle fight. You see Zemo get the phone call. Uh, Jigsaw is fucking up because <laughs> Jigsaw has <laughs> been hired to take out the Punisher and. Punisher's been in jail for, uh, I want to say, a couple of months, if not a year, if not maybe three, if I remember correctly. Meets this crazy old weird witch nun that helps him stage a kick-ass breakout. The paneling, uh, Simon just really knocked out the paneling, man. It's it's one of those things where it's action-packed, yet your eyes follow it right. You're able to take your time. And Jigsaw is like, hey, Frankie, let's do this. Let's play. And then, like, well, I thought he'd fall for that. And, oh, no, he's gone. Because uh, the Punisher didn't know that the Jigsaw's yelling at him, like, hey, I'm I'm not who you want. By the time you kill me, Aaron Zemo's going to be out of town. He's almost he's he's almost to the uh, to the airport on his helicopter. By the time you kill me, he'll be out. Of, he'll be out of the country. You'll never see him again. Yeah, wait, wait, did that work? <laughs> you see the Punisher just, like, going 180 miles an hour in this crotch rocket, doing his best to catch up to a fucking jet plane, like an actual jet, like, raptor, and jumping off his motorcycle onto it. And Zemo's demanding for this asshole to fucking take the plane out. And no, it won't do it. It'll kill us both. Ejection. He lands. After he blows out the pilot's brains for not listening to him, <laughs> Punisher seeming, seemingly drowns. Hydra, the new Hydra, finds Zemo, and man, the 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 new Hydra. Oh God, you got to look at this. This has got to be one of the the main frames of the maybe the cover. Uh, if we we're gonna focus anything minefields wise, this floating. It's not even a helicopter. It's not a plane. It's a giant skull extended on the back end with huge uh, tentacles, mechanical tentacles coming out, which is obviously keeping it adrift and covered in electricity. Such a great visual. And yeah, we didn't, uh, surely the Punisher's dead, you know, right? You know, surely, right? That's one of those double-edged like, swords. We'll just... Do we check and get killed, or or do we check and we find out that he's dead? <laughs> you know, do you really? Well, well we found really want to try. We found his shirt. We found his shirt, and he's like, "Whatever, my country, Bagala has fallen. Get me to New York." And then the immediate next page is next issue, next punishment, war in the streets, part one. <laughs> This has been awesome. Every single new issue of The Punisher for the past year and a half has been ever since uh, Hydra fell and uh, Secret Empire was done. Everything The Punisher has done has been brutal and R-rated, but just not R-rated enough to be Max, but still kick ass. <laughs> what you got next, brother? Um, speaking of Darede- or Punisher, I'm going to go into Daredevil number five because... Uh, right now, <clears throat> Matt Murdock, Daredevil, is running around the streets of New York wearing the Punisher's T-shirt. Uh, after the here, I turned off the uh, thing here in case you were wondering. Uh, after the events of the last issue of Daredevil, 
I mean, Matt Murdock got messed up recently, and he has come back trying to be Daredevil, and um, he is he is just a wreck. And then he accidentally killed a guy. Right now, it seems as though Daredevil accidentally killed somebody, and everybody's after him because of it. <clears throat> and even the Punisher took him down and said, "Oh, you're finally killing people. Way to go! Now you now you and I can can kind of." cooperate and uh matt beat his way out of the situation and defeated the punisher and ended up wearing his t-shirt at the end of that issue so this was the issue where he's right like you got daredevil running around in a punisher's t-shirt which was kind of rad because at a certain point daredevil i mean he got out there and despite the fact that he has had a hell of a night he's been shot up Literally shot up, beat up, Hell and then love it. then he got captured by the Punisher. The Punisher and he had a fight, and then he escaped, and uh, then he went after Leland Owlsley, the owl, and his gang, and he had like an Iron Man quality bad guy hired muscle type. That's what I'm talking about right there. Even more fighting, and um, Daredevil's... He takes these guys down. He found a way to defeat all of these bad guys. This has been some knockdown, drag out, how much can this person take type of situation, and he just won't give up because he has so much to prove to everybody and himself. And uh, then some guys show up in the street that he thinks are probably hand guys, and they have, but they're not uh, ninjas, right? They're not ninjas. They have a huge fight, and he's on his way out. But then Luke Cage and Danny Rand, uh, Iron Fist, and Jessica Jones all show up and rescue him. And they take him back to, I'm going to say, probably, I don't know, some hideout, some safe house of theirs. And Matt realizes, finally, that, that everything he's doing is wrong. And uh, they even say, like, oh, man, you know, you're running around, you're doing all this stuff, and... You know, you killed a guy, and now you're running around in the Punisher's Punisher's costume. What the heck's that all about? And he's like, oh, I'm blind. I just needed a shirt. You know, so <clears throat> it's got its humor, but it's also this crushing realization in that moment. He thought, you're here because you came to, you came to my aid to, like, help me crush these guys. And then a second later, he had this moment where he goes, wait a minute. They're not here for that. They're here because they don't trust me anymore. They don't believe in me. <clears throat> well, he's in this safe house, and he is breaking down, and he's like, I did kill this guy. I'm wrong. I screwed up. And they all kind of stand there and blink, and he go, and they go, it's, it's happened to all of us, man. I mean, people, we fight, and somebody gets hurt. The bad guys get hurt, and there's collateral damage by accident. You know, somebody, some cop gets hurt, or... Some debris falls on somebody. This this all made me think. For a second... I, I love was, Debris. Debris, yeah. <laughs> For a second I was reading this and I was going... <clears throat> you know, you, you don't think about that. You do. You think you're driving along and you're thinking about some kick-ass battle you just watched or some crazy action in the Avengers movie or whatever. And right. You're going, look at all that pandemonium happening on the streets in New York and how people are getting 
probably crushed and you know, you don't see you don't see them get killed like the Ewok in Return of the Jedi with sad music and realize, you know, that somebody died and it sucks. But you know it's got to be happening with that much, you know, pandemonium going all over. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, Daredevil's realizing this and then they're telling him no, man, this happens. It's just one of those things that happens. You know, maybe maybe you didn't kill the guy on purpose. Maybe it's an accident. But he freaks out and he runs away again. And uh, because he's like, no, we're all murderers. Why? We're all murderers. And you're murderers. And you're not thinking about it the right way. Which means I can't trust you and I don't want to be around you and I got to go get my head clear. He's not thinking right. We just talked about concussions. How could Daredevil yeah. not be concussed? He's... This guy has been running at full steam as soon as he came out of the hospital and could walk again. There's nothing right about Daredevil right now. And that's part of, part of what I like about this. He's in his own head and he's thinking about this conversation he had with a blind uh, Catholic priest way, way back in his first issues when he was wearing yellow and red. <clears throat> and uh, Matt, Matt ends up getting back to someplace safe, probably his house, I can't really tell. And this is what really got me. Uh, through his radar oh, yeah. vision, he's saying, wait, there's somebody here. Impossibly nice. quiet. There's no... Impossibly way. quiet. Now, that is something that is interesting. Yeah. There's a heartbeat. It's a strong one. I can almost hear his muscles tightening. It's co He's coiled with incredible strength and control. It's pure power. And he doesn't even know it. He's the best of us. Daredevil. Is what he says. And uh, it's Spider-Man. You heard the whisper. That's amazing. And Spidey. It's Spidey. The best of They've, us. Who says that heard, about Spider-Man? I've never heard that. I've never heard that in my life. Never. That's amazing. It's Daredevil ne appreciating things about Spider-Man that he can't... That he can't even uh, quantify... Because Spider-Man is this perfect specimen of agility and capability that he isn't anymore. And they don't go into that. That's just me reading into it. Um, and uh, they've also, they also go as so far in their conversation, uh, in addition to the real meat and potatoes of the conversation, to say that, uh, that Spidey and Matt Murdock don't know each other which is, I think, a sad thing because for all the years that I was reading Amazing Spider-Man and all the other Spidey titles, Peter and Matt Murdock knew each other's secret like Bruce Wayne and, and Clark Kent. Yeah. And um, it's kind of sad if that's not what's going on, but what can you say? They've retconned the shit out of all of these like really good things that we grew up with knowing that this is a reality right here. And... Uh, I feel like every time I realize some new thing that they've retconned, it really just, it really just kind of hurts my feelings. But whatever. I mean, you, we can't all be who they're writing about. But in the end, Spidey is there to tell him, yeah, you killed a guy. It's over. You cannot be Daredevil anymore. You're done. I'm not going to turn you in. I don't know who you are. I'm not going to take off your mask. But if you go out there and continue to be Daredevil, not just the cops... Not just the bad guys. Everyone's coming after you. I'm coming after you. But it's over. 
renounce the violence, cast out the devil. And it just ends with Matt crying by himself while Spidey has walked away in the dark. And it's, it's, it, it those was a of, powerful those moment. moments. Those sort of moments, man, is what makes it all worthwhile. It, it makes me think of Daniel Bryan crying after he did a retirement speech. Uh-huh. It makes me think of a hundred different more things where when they realize it's over and they really just got to say, yeah, it's over. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a, this is still Chip Zdarsky. It's one of his stories. It's, Marco Cicchetto drawing it, and, and like the art is really good in this. Sonny Go is coloring it. There's a big variance of what they're doing between Daredevil's vision and what you can see normally. It's gritty, it's appropriate, it's colorful. You don't usually get gritty and colorful simultaneously in your list. You're doing like a, um, oh, I lost the guy's name, like Echo. Do you remember the Echo book? Who, who did that? Crap. I don't remember it. I'll I don't remember it Echo. But like, uh, Oh, it was back when, uh, back during the um, uh, Bendis run, or between uh, Bendis and Malieve. Uh And I still love this whole thing that his his radar sense works in three dimensions now. He he's, he sees everything in every dimension, or everything in every direction simultaneously. And they do a really good draw a job of uh, depicting that in a two-dimensional page in small frames. It just works. It's really cool. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, Daredevil well, was cool. <clears throat> how did how did it make you feel? Where where do you think the story's going? Dude, it made me question things. It made me it, that was really special. It made me made me think like you you see Matt go through a bunch of different emotions there. So at the beginning, he's like a freight train. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get these guys. I have to prove it. And then his buddies show up, and he thinks for a second, and I'm on the same ride with him. They're here. They came in out of nowhere. We're going to get them. And then he's, he realizes because of either their heartbeat or their respiration or something like that, that they're not there for that. They're there to save him and get him out of that situation. They're not there to help him, like, take down the city and F up the bad guys and prove to the world that he's still Daredevil. And then they uh, – and then a second later, you're like, oh, they're there. They rescued him. And it just – it was so many emotions. It was like every page – there was a new scene and every scene there was a whole new thing that he felt and conveyed to us and whether you've been reading Daredevil forever or not you're on that ride with him and you're feeling it all because that's the beauty of what Chip Zdarsky has been doing with this entire run since uh, everything went down recently in the previous um, uh, writing team is that uh, or creative team is uh, you feel it. You always are, you're always feeling something because as soon as you think you've got it, they, they just kind of pull the rug out from under you. And it's kind of amazing. Uh, how did you, how did you feel Spidey <coughs> added to that story? It was a shock. It was a total surprise because I can't quantify anything about what's going on in Spider-Man at all. It simultaneously, we've got this big hunted storyline going on and we'll get into that in a minute. It's the same thing we bitch about endlessly. These editors aren't sitting around like, I'm doing something with Spidey this month. I'd like to have Spidey in my Daredevil issue. No, you can't do it. He's trapped under an impenetrable shield in Central Park right now fighting animal-themed villains and stuff like that. But, you know, no, they do it anyways. Wolverine's on every team, so Spider-Man Spider-Man can show up anywhere they want him to. You know, you can have the Guardians in the outer space, whatever. But, no, they're having tea with Carol Danvers or something. Um, what, it, what it really amounts to is it's a total shock because I don't know 
if they're going to retcon stuff every couple of years or every year, every time a new writing team comes in, I don't know whether or not Spider-Man knows who Nat is. And getting into that moment and going, oh, they don't know, but like Spider-Man's coming in there and he's like, I can F you up completely. I'm completely healthy and I'm amazing right now. It made me feel like Spider-Man is the specimen that Nat said he is. Because no one ever says that about Peter. And Peter doesn't come in and tell people off like that. There was the issue of Daredevil during the Bendis Maleev run when he took over Hell's Kitchen. And Reed Richards, Peter Parker, Doctor Strange, and I'm trying to remember the other guy, but like four of them showed up in street clothes and caught up with Matt in the park and were like, what are you doing? You're taking over a part of town. You're doing the kingpin's job for him now. And he's like, yeah, that's what I got to do. If these people, these people are, I, I, I want to go down a road right now, but I feel like I'm talking daredevil to death. But uh, it's a conversation I have every so often about uh, old Catholicism. It was a very Catholic thing for daredevil to, to take over an area and say, if you need it, if you need a kingpin, I'm your kingpin. And they, it, you know, so it, and so, like I say, that's a whole tangent. If you guys want to know what I want, want to say about that, let me let me know. I'll let you know. But um, I'm not dissing Catholicism right now or anything. But uh, uh, it's a it's a very Catholic thing, which makes sense because it's Daredevil for him to have done that and to think that and to say that. And so the parallels here that anyone would come in and Daredevil to shut down his his way of doing things is fascinating. It's amazing that it's Spider Man because in this. What, you know, continuity, what is Spider-Man to Daredevil, you know? I, you'd have to go back and read years' worth of Daredevil to even figure out what they even are to one another. So, I don't know. Where is it going? Daredevil needs to take some freaking time off. You can tell great Daredevil stories and have great adventures where he's not messing around in New York City. He could go to Madripoor and have a wild time without being Daredevil and just use his brain. He could just he could, be a lawyer for a while. Like He could be a completely different new character and no one would know. Exactly. He could be, like, look at what we've seen. Some of the best things that we've seen done with Marvel characters in the last 20 years has been when they weren't being themselves for a while. What do we got going on with the Soska sisters with Black Widow? She's being the Black Widow, but not being the Black Widow because te technically Black Widow is dead to a lot of people. And she's running around in Madripoor being Patch or Logan, as it were, uh, effing up some bad guys. You could or do Batman that. Batman <clears throat> from the greatest evil. Yeah, exactly. And you could have, you could have, uh, you could have uh, Captain America go out and be Nomad. For a couple of years and it's still Captain America and it's still Steve Rogers and he's out there doing the street level stuff. You can have Spider-Man reveal his identity to the world before Civil War won because Tony Stark says he needs to and he can quit punching bad guys on the street and start applying his mental prowess, his genius level scientific ability towards really fixing the world like Reed Richards, like Tony Stark and do way more good than stopping a perch snatcher or jewel thief or something like that, you know? Uh, the problem with Spider-Man 
is that his rogues have gotten more technologically super villainy over the years rather than being street level dipshits like the vulture had a cool gag when he started out but you know he wasn't really super powered but now he's a legacy character craven not exactly super powered but he's a legacy character that sometimes has superpowers the black cat in spider-man 94 no superpowers until she developed spider powers they developed into these things so like daredevil right now he could just go find, go on a quest to find the Black Widow and bring her back to life, quote-unquote. That would be a hell of a story. Daredevil's not married right now. He used to be married to Mila, you know? Uh, he, Mila Donovan. He's, he was, uh, you know, you, you have stories like that. Daredevil could stop being Daredevil for a while and be a different character, or he could just put bad guys away for a while. Put him, in, put him in court. We could take some serious courtroom dramas. Let, let Iron Fist take, nail some bad guys. I would, I would love courtroom dramas with Daredevil, especially if it yeah. was peppered. Especially if it was peppered with, like, well, what about this one night? And you, and you see, like, what the hell happened? How are we here? And, like, you just see the flash of, of, of uh, Daredevil kicking some ass. None of these guys remember anything of how Daredevil was taken over. And... What about this? Well, how the hell you know that? Yeah. Like, 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 like true courtroom drama can really pay off. And most people don't understand why that would work. But at the same time, those same people will really enjoy a Tom Clancy novel and not, not realize that there's very little action in any of those. Totally. And, it's and, and get involved in the drama, the intrigue. How did this happen? Why did it happen? I want this to go this way. I really hope this didn't happen, but I think it did. And uh, we got to move on there, brother. I know, dude. I wish I, I just, I, yeah, there's a lot of things they could do differently when this, this, this run, this, I'm sure it's a six parter is complete. And uh, I really hope they roll the dice and do something gutsy because it's only ever going to last five issues, you know, six issues, and then they can do something different. What's your next book, bud? Well, we've, we got to move on to Amazing Spider-Man number 21 since we've been talking about Spidey just a little bit. Okay. That's a good uh, idea. segue. Uh, I really want to get into a couple things here, specifically the art. Now, uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 21, Nick Spencer, writer, yeah. Geraldo Sandoval, pencil, Geraldo Sandoval, and uh, Victor Nava, inkers, Edgar Delgado, and Eric uh, Ar Arshinega, color, color artist, and BC's Joe Karamaga. God, we got to talk to this guy. <laughs> and uh, extra, actually, uh, cover artist Humberto Ramos and Edgar Delgado. The thing about this, from the artwork, it grabbed me because Geraldo, it it was like a mixture of Ed Bagley, McGinnis, and McFarlane in this one. Hmm, okay. And and I think this this dude took the time because. This issue was really single-handed. This was the calm before the end-all, be-all storm, which is we only got one issue less of issue left of Hunted, and I can't believe I was tricked into enjoying a fucking Craven story. And since since you know the big one, yeah. However, however, it, there there's like he mixes in splash pages the the insanity of Bacallo 
And then in small pages, when you see him talking, like specifically on page 19, when you see Spidey talking and you, you get that hard, you get that hard right camera angle going on him. And that is a specific McFarlane pose. Like it, we're talking lips where the nose is. That is what McFarlane does. And then we're talking Bagley from web slinging and then the dr dramatic poses when, when Craven is threatening um, black cat and the boy. Uh -huh. And, and then what really gets me was this, this story is one thing that we always co concentrate on is honor. <sighs> Kurt Connors murdered his boy. Ugh, dude, that's terrifying. Kurt Connors murdered his boy and somehow somewhere it happened and they show Dr. Strange, the boy's actual soul is within the revived clone of the boy. It just so happened that, you know, he's, he's lizard now after he killed him again <laughs> and, and a lizard after betraying, you know, sneaking his way in there, uh, with arcade and trick tricking arcade. And, uh, you got to get this out of me. It's, no, no, I can't. Spidey's got that leash on him that if you take it off, it'll kill him. But they realize that was the test because they're, they're, they're forced to watch what's going on. And that, that's when Connors realizes that's the test. That's the test. He wants us to do this. And uh, if you if you flash back on on uh, some of the HU issues when mm -hmm. honor honor is what Craven was really going for, whether if it was obtained through bloodlust or hard decisions, honor was about this. And like you're gonna save your boy, okay? You're gonna risk your whole goddamn life. And Spidey had to rip it out of his rip that inhibitor chip, which we all know is attached to any inhibitor chip inhibitor chip ever created is obviously hooked to your spine and your whole life. And, <laughs> and if it gets pulled out, you might die. And Spidey, as he's ripping it out, realizes, uh, if he lives, I might be dead. Yeah. I might be dead. And this was the calm. If you can call it the calm before the storm, I mean, you know that these these people that are in the murder suits, <laughs> if they die, they die. If they die in, it's like the Matrix, you know. If you die in the Matrix, you die in the real world, and that's what they're hooked hooked into. And uh, Arcade plans this whole thing. We talked about it last week with the Vulture, but right. <clears throat> I mean, th man, this better be a eight dollar, a nine dollar. 50 issue 50 issue comic book to end this because this this there hasn't been a, a spidey story this juicy since uh superior spider-man hands in and that was like jesus like six years ago but even then like things have been good but not this juicy this is different this is this is amazing, and and then at the same time, <laughs> uh, well before before I segue before I segue, oh bless you, um, before we segue, we need to talk about Spidey Life Story number three. Yeah, um, out of all of this, all, out of all the life stories that we've uh, seen the pre previous two so far, this one didn't rock me like uh, number two did. Uh, I say my main complaint is this pink cover. 
uh, primarily because, uh, and I'm not a big nitpicker for this. I'm not expecting this thing to be worth a million dollars or something, but uh, I left a thumbprint in it that's never coming out because it's that solid cover. It's just, or color. There's just something about it that I'm like, that just chaps me. I don't, I don't like that that happened. Anyway, uh, another Chip Zdarsky book. It is Mark Bagley. It's John Dell as the inker. Uh, the color artist is Frank Darmada. Hmm? Darmada, sorry, Darmada. And then VC's Travis Lennon. Uh, he's the letterer. Um, <clears throat> I mean, this is rough. Uh, Spidey's in his 30s, you know? But before, for, 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 hold on. Before, before we get on to uh, when, you, when you talked about the cover, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people, if you're in the know, Chip Zdarsky is a creator and writer of Sex Criminals, and Zdarsky's done a lot of comic books. However, in Sex Criminals is when he took over the abstract, uh, impressionist, simplistic covers. Zdarsky did this cover. Okay, if you cool. look – for all our listeners, if you are Sex Criminals fans from Image Comic Books – uh, you need to look at these original covers from Sex Criminals and then and then reevaluate Spider-Man Life Story because he's the one that's doing the the simplistic covers. Again, simplistic is not a bad word. It's just simple. It doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it's it's not as expository or uh, if you zoom in, there's like 30 layers of paint on on acrylic. Um, but I just needed to say that before we got into the story. Sorry. No, not at all. That's a, a great observation. The simplicity, simplicity of it, it really, really Mark, works. They carry it off this. into the, the title page, or the uh, credits page, too. It's, it's interesting to see any Mark Bagley art again after that long run that he had uh, on uh, Ultimate, or, yeah, Ultimate Spider-Man. Do, um, do, do you feel he flashed back to, like, like, do you feel that he trimmed back his actual... Um, prowess as an artist and to make things a little bit more dynamic to make it look like an 80s comic book? Because I do. Um, I'm not so sure I get that because we are in a hospital room that looks, you know, initially we're in a hospital room because, I mean, there's not much you can do differently about that. And then we've got that big two-page Secret Wars Splash, and then we've yeah. got a big techno location. There's not much that feels particularly 80s here, except I will say Peter's hair was very well done. That is what his hair looked like in a lot of those 80s books. And and the, the Hulk with his thumbs up, but then Spidey's costume is a mixture of it's a mixture of uh ultimate Spider-Man Miles Morales. It's a mixture of uh, Scarlet Spider. Yes. It's a mixture. It's a mixture of uh, regular um, uh, Bashima work, but at the same time, he's got the boots. Like he's got full full knee highs, uh, and he's got those tentacles on the bottom, which hint at the uh, Superior Spider-Man. Tentacles. Yeah. Look over in his waist. Um, oh yeah. Look yeah. At, yeah, I don't yeah, look, really know what that is, but it's kind of I I I I am initially looked at it thinking he's, uh, Scarlet Spider. But then he's got the spades on his arms too. There's like a throwback to like 30 different things in this one thing. He's even got a turtleneck. 
He's totally got armor on his arms for sure. How did you feel when he got the uh, when they when they uh, revamped the uh, how he got the uh, symbiote? Uh, you know, it was um, t- that's what it's supposed to be. I mean, that's that's exactly how it happened, and it it totally works. Uh, and then but- him like swinging out of there in the black costume. You know, I mean, but that's that's another that's another eighties thing though. Look, look, look at look how he's drawn. In the eighties, they they outlined him in white. Look, look at that. Re 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 look at that. The outline the the outline in white. I mean, it it wasn't it wasn't laziness. It was the fact that that they only could print in three colors. And the fact that they did they had to do their best to model it within those three color schemes in monochromatic. I'm glad you're checking all of this out because, man, I was really just focusing on the story. Uh, <clears throat> you're hitting on some stuff that uh, is very t- uh, depicting a lot of technical prowess and a lot more attention to detail than I was getting. I was ra- trying to wrap my head around the idea of a 30 year old Spider Man in the 80s. Married to Mary Jane with the babies and an Aunt May who is completely vacant. Yeah, she's 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 uh, uh, obviously Allheimer's or dementia-ist. But but there's one thing that they that if you if you're not paying attention, they glance over, is that he's back. And is this before Venom? It yes. has to be before Venom. It has to be before Venom. But because he's he just showed up from you know Secret Wars, but there's still that terror that Mary Jane has when she finds a black suit Spider Man in her living room. Well, yeah, but I mean, he just showed up out of nowhere, you know. Yeah, but but but, but I, but I, I think that, that that's that's, that's, that's ASM three hundred for sure. Yeah, that's that's not by accident. <laughs> no, that's a good deal. That makes sense. I mean, you know, so like let's getting into it, you know, seeing Spidey being older and seeing Reed Richards being even older and their relationship is different in this than it is in the real, in the Marvel universe typically, because in the, in the first issue, Peter took a, uh, a, or was it first or second? I can't recall. Peter ended up taking a job with Reed Richards and uh, challenging him on some of Reed Richards. First one, first one. Yeah. First one challenging him on his, uh, uh, decision not to help out the world economy or the world benefit in a better way. And here they really kind of get back together in an essence. And uh, I think that's a good thing. And then because Reed Richards has lost everything, he doesn't have his family. He's not the, not, not the, the you know, the, the head of the first family. And, um, but at least Peter Parker's got Parker Industries here. He's got something that he's made into the world. Like I was just saying, he's not just busting on uh, busting heads on street level crime. He's got an industry that keeps his family in in their home, in their clothes, in food. He can look after Aunt May. He can have babies, but he's not home. He's burying mm-hmm. himself in work. He's burying himself in being Spider-Man, and it's driven a major wedge between him and Mary Jane. You've never seen Peter and Mary Jane more miserable than they are in this book because when, Peter was when a she, mess in the 70s, 
in the 60s, and Mary Jane has not had any kind of a fine life at all. You can just tell no. they're never together. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, in, in the actual original storyline back in the 90s and 80s, I mean, she was still a fashion model. She was still relatively happy. Mm-hmm. But you see her miserable as hell, stuck at home, taking care of his fucking... Might as well be his grandma, his aunt, and you better fucking you better fucking respect her, or we're done. And that that was the overtone. Now, there's one other thing in art wise I wanted to point out before we get too far is that in the scene when he f- sees the babies in the crib, he's fully illuminated and the the suit goes gray. Oh yeah, I saw that. <clears throat> and 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 then another thing, and when you see Vision and uh, who is it? Is that it's Marvel? The Invisible Woman. Invisible woman, like defending the the United States from these uh, Russian missiles. nukes. Yeah. These Russian nukes, they've got that that classic fifties. Uh, if if I was gonna, you know, if I was gonna draw a nuke headed or forties uh, headed towards uh, America, of course there's gonna be like the the red nipple target on the ends of them. Oh yeah. And warhead tip. Yeah, the warhead tip, and when Vision just freezes and just goes completely absolutely amorphous amorphous catatonic phase he can't he's still he's still not solid yeah he's just this that's the part i have a problem with mainly it it this is this is a very watchman issue it really is kick-ass point brother i mean and even going so far as to seeing protesters marching around outside of Central Park before any of the heroes return from the Secret Wars, and uh, there's somebody with an The End Is Nigh sign. So, what, okay, so let me give you guys a rundown, because I don't know if you've read any of the issues in the 80s, you know? Not everybody's as old as I am. Please do. So, what it lays out at is that uh, the Secret Wars was a big 80s event. That was in Secret Wars number eight. That was when Spidey c- came up with the black costume and where Venom eventually comes from. And uh, right? he comes back to Earth in, in uh, Spider-Man 278 in the costume. So there was this wacky dude who turns out to be an inhuman called the Beyonder who is ultra-powerful and uh, it's really difficult to quantify this character. And um, tries to he pits all of Earth's all of these Earth's superheroes and supervillains in a battle on a place called Battle World, uh, and you have to win to be able to get home. Nevertheless, everybody ends up coming home. I don't remember anybody dying, but they were gone, and this lasted for months. And um, while that was going on, the rest of the heroes in the world are like, "What are we, the C list or something?" And they. They had to defend the planet, and they did the best that they could. Um, so after Peter comes back with the symbiote, he ultimately runs into Craven. So this also blends in the Craven's Last Hunt storyline, which wasn't a cross-title promotional event for all of all of Marvel like Secret 86. Wars was. Secret Wars took characters out of their mainline continuity and left you guessing what the hell is going on. It was the first cross-title promotional event, and it was groundbreaking. It was earth-shattering to see your heroes be like, what, what the hell? Where are they? What's going on? And then you read Secret Wars, 
and there's a toy tie-in and all this other stuff. So Peter comes back with the symbiote and the Craven's Last Hunt story takes place and that is an, a Spider-Man title, cross-title promotional event. So this happened across Web and Spectacular and Amazing. Uh, I, I, real quick, I was wrong. It wasn't 80, 89, it was 88. Amazing Spider-Man 299, First Prince of Venom in the... Yeah, uh, yeah sorry, I, I said 89, it meant 88. Oh yeah, no Eight. problem. Yeah, yeah, it's significantly later because he comes back with a black costume in 278. So he um, he's he's figuring out the costume for a while and then whatever, and he eventually goes to Reed Richards and... Uh, well, I'm sorry, no, Craven's Last Hunt. We're reading Hunted in Amazing Spider-Man right now, which is an attempt to recapture some of the... I don't know if it's lightning in a bottle... But there's, there's no, to me, there should be no Craven stories after Craven's last hunt. It not is, after he, not after he buried him. No, it, it's yeah. always a throwback to the, to the, to the coffin. And then we get this in the same fucking episode yeah. issue. So if you, if you haven't read Craven's last hunt, it's six issues, go anywhere, get it. It's important. It is good. If you can't take Craven seriously, if you wonder why Craven hasn't showed up in a Spider-Man movie or anywhere else for that matter in a, the MCU, they're wasting the opportunity. They should introduce him somewhere in the new next Spider-Man movie so they can make Craven's Last Hunt the subject of the next Tom Holland Spider-Man movie. It is an amazing story. Craven Chases down Peter, shoots him with a shotgun, buries him. He is asleep in the grave for two weeks in a coma. Meanwhile, this is right after he and Mary Jane got married. So she's like, I just moved in with Peter. We just got married. Where has he disappeared to? What the hell is going on? He just disappeared for like a month for Secret War. What the hell is going on now? And then a different person is masquerading around New York in Spider-Man's costume, the black costume, beating the shit out of people because Craven has assumed his identity and is trying to defeat the spider by becoming the spider because he respects Spider-Man. Or having to inspire him better. Multi multiple times. That's Craven's last hunt. You must read it. And there should be no Craven stories after it, hence the title. So anytime they've ever brought Craven back, you know, I mean, I was okay with his son. I was okay. I'm okay with like being cloned Cravens or whatever. Craven should just not exist after. He should Craven's be a he should be a nightmare. He should be a bad dream. That, yeah. That, that's yeah. I mean, a ghost. I don't care. I mean, I don't even want to see him come back as Craven bots. I mean, it's just whatever. So. What it boils down to is that in this story, it is an attempt to retell that because we're only halfway through what we we're talking about. And let me get to my the thing that's the pisser for me. The concept that there are all of these superheroes in America, and that is why the Soviet Union and the United States has not gone to war, and that the mere fact that a fraction of them would have disappeared for a month says the Russians would create a first strike opportunity to attack the U.S., do you think that the U.S. and the Soviet Union didn't just have a full nuclear exchange? There is no point to this story for after, after this, in my opinion. 
This ruined it for me. The Russians launched nuclear missiles, ICBMs, that the Vision and the, and the uh, Invisible Woman and probably some other heroes attempted to stop, and they, they couldn't stop it, and so Allentown, Pennsylvania was destroyed instead of New York City. And you think that there would be any story left if the Soviets attacked the United States at any time during the, the, the 80s, the United States would have committed to a full retaliatory nuclear strike. Watch war games. It doesn't all end up like Red Dawn. Because yes, we didn't see it happen, but in Red Dawn, there were nukes used up to a certain point, and then they were like, yeah, we're not going to blow up the whole world. But there should be no further consequence. Like... Spider-Man doesn't matter to me after a nuclear attack story happens. I'm no, sorry. No. This pulled the but rug it, completely out from under me. Even though he was there helping him with the cleanup effect? It doesn't make any difference. The world is destroyed after this. The Soviets sent missiles. Did we fire back? Didn't we? Did we nuke part of Russia? Did we blow up one of their fleets in the in Mediterranean or the or the North Atlantic? Was this a missile attack from a submarine? This is a, 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 this is not, not an appropriate way to do this. The whole Watchmen plot is, they have Dr. Manhattan, and Dr. Manhattan is better than their entire nuclear arsenal and would destroy us all if we fired our nukes at the United States. And when Dr. Manhattan, and what, what, what is it that Ozymandias is trying to do but perpetuate the idea and I'm thinking of the movie here that, that we need to we need to have a we need to have a unified peace, and so we're we're it's a frame up job to get that to happen. It's an alien attack in the book, so that the world will come together and be prepared for an alien attack without right. Doctor Manhattan. But this is this is an attempt to do the Watchmen in Spider Man, and it works, but it also doesn't work because it is. A global thermonuclear war. Yeah, but but even then, there's only like what two more issues of this left, and you see Craven about to kill himself because he's proud that the spider stepped up, and then gets the symbiote. And, right. I mean, so because we have to have the Venom in the '90s because everything was extreme in the '90s, and Venom was extreme. No, the 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 '90s issue better have a holographic uh, a chrome glow in the dark. 80 fucking different versions <laughs> of the variant. The drippy just for, title, the drippy just, uh, Spidey font title. Just um, for fun. All of that. Aunt May better be dead at the end of it because she stands no chance of surviving into the 90s. And no. uh, and I didn't mean to get this agitated about it. I, I got into that bit when I read it originally and I was like, man, really? I mean, this limited nuclear exchange doesn't make a damn lick of sense. And then, because what, what go back to the... Go back to the damn splash page. How many heroes do we see? One, Reed Richards, Thor, Rogue, Iron Man, The Thing, Captain America, that's six. Um, the Hulk, seven. Wolverine, Polaris, uh, Spider-Man, She-Hulk, because you have to have two Hulks, and Nightcrawler. I lost count. Oh, Colossus, I lost count. Those are not the A-list. That is not the Brad Pitt... Uh, Tom Ultron. Cruise, that is Brad Pitt, Dr. Tom Dan. Cruise, and like we're missing people, you know? Just because those guys disappeared, that's worth the Soviet Union attacking the United States or NATO? 
How many other countries are in NATO? What this says to me is that Chip Zdarsky, as much as I appreciate what he's been doing, what he did in the previous two books, <clears throat> doesn't understand anything about Soviet-American relations in the 70s and 80s. Well, maybe he does. Maybe he just thought that the fact that all the heroes were gone... They weren't! Like, that was 12 heroes. 12! That's not even the Avengers roster. You know? I mean, we, Giant Man. Uh, <laughs> Quicksilver, the Scarlet Witch. The Wasp. Hawkeye. I mean, it, the, it's the Marvel Comics universe. I can't count how many heroes there are. Professor X. Everybody else on the X-Men. Everybody else in the Fantastic Four. Everybody else in the West Coast Avengers. I don't even know. The Great Lakes Avengers? I mean, the Inhumans. Everybody could be involved. That just, because, uh, just because 12 guys disappear and 12 supervillains disappear, I don't see how that necessitates a Soviet first strike. Uh, I just, if that part was removed for, the, for me, this, this issue would have been pretty damned amazing. So you're taking it from a historical sense that they didn't treat it historically correctly, that, that the Russian leaders at the time would not have done such a thing. Well, let's, let's check this out. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 278. I'm going to one of my favorite websites here, comicbookdb.com. Uh, which is notoriously slow sometimes because there is a lot of content to look at. Um, whoops, I made a mistake and I need to look at Spidey from 1963. <clears throat> what year? Well, I don't know. This is a long roundabout way to do this. But what year did Spider-Man 278? And God help me if I've been saying the wrong thing. Oh my God, yeah, I have been. It's not, two, it's not issue 278 that the black... Uh, costume first appears in, folks. Secret Wars uh, number eight. Oh yeah, why am I doing this? This is this is the wrong way to do it. Secret Wars number eight. Can you still hear me? Yeah, totally, totally. I'm looking for something to sell I'm... you on Ships of Darcy, so keep talking. All right, that's fine. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I I know everybody's waiting for this, and I am completely making ma massive complaints. Uh, 1985. Mikhail Gorbachev was the premier of the Soviet Union by 1985. And he was there until Christmas Day of 1991. And in that time, that man never wanted to have a nuclear strike. That was during Glasnost, the Reformation. That was during Perestroika. And uh, that was an attempt to... To, fro to defrost the Cold War. Anyway, my complaint aside, this book has serious potential. The things that I liked, and I've been bitching about stuff that I don't like, the things that I like, I love seeing Spider-Man being a 30-year-old, having major problems to deal with. I love seeing Mary Jane being miserable. And that's a terrible thing to say because she's one of my favorite characters, but... What is Peter going to learn? And how long is it going to take him to learn this? That's, that's the real question. What is the measure of Peter Parker's entire life 
by the end of the life story story arc. You're saying we've got the 90s, the 2000s, and maybe the 2010s? Is this a six-story, six six-issue book? Is that what we think? I thought it read that it was going to be six. Okay, so if it's six, what will he learn by the time that he's in his 60s? And I can only pray that, you know, at a certain point, he's like, no, Mary Jane and the kids, my family, might be as important as me saving the world over and over again, or at least trying. Or I got to step off and let people, other people save the world, because we can all save the world. There's just a different way of going about it. You know, Captain America can do it. Iron Man can do it. The Hulk can apparently help out. I mean, these things happen, but apparently help out. <laughs> you know. Anyway, all right. So yeah, that, that's that's my my fit about that book. I was looking for a a, a book I have. It's a, it's about like a four by four, tiny little hardband book called Just the Tips, Just the Tip, <laughs> okay. uh, which is a. Uh, external book from sex criminals that uh, Zdarsky yeah. uh, wrote and it's just it's just comedy gold it's 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 just random bits of shit that people sent uh, on the letters page they, they couldn't print and instructions on how to put a finger up someone's ass <laughs> and and it's just it's just gold and I, I couldn't find it in my closet library. I think I might have put it in a in a long box and put it in my storage. I guess I did. But it's tiny. It's gorgeous. If you guys want, if you guys don't agree with Colin, or <laughs> or, or or don't want to agree with Colin, the Darsky, he did his best. Both of us have differing opinions on this. However, if you want to have some fun with Zdarsky find the tiny little all pink book called justice that there's instructional there's it's, it's there's instructional diagrams um have some fun with just a tip but we gotta move on mm-hmm. we gotta move on uh, i i want to i want to briefly touch on guards of the galaxy number five i mean sorry guys we got no dc this week um i found nothing i i, I gave a shit about in this but Guardians of the galaxy number five all I can think about uh, how to describe this after I tell you who wrote it, Final Gauntlet, five of six, Tony yeah. Cates, writer, Jeff Shaw, artist, David Curiel, colorist, VCs, Corey Pettit. There he is again. Goddamn, VC, kick ass. David Marquez and Dean White, cover artist, and Jung Joo Kim, Battle Lions variant cover artist. I'm thinking, Why? Why? This pissed me the fuck off. We, we, like, Thanos is dead. Gamora's cut his head off. And why? It, it ends with, like, he like he's actually placed his consciousness inside his stupid-ass little Titan brother. And the second Hela says it, he wakes up, and they take off, kill everyone they can. They She's got the head. She's got the body. And... <sighs> little titan gives her a kiss my love yeah. that makes perfect sense that 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 would be the the i don't know the soy based imitation clone of who your actual love is because he's actually not in love with personified death 
he's in love with the idea of death that has presented himself herself to him in such a way that she is a person, but I don't imagine she has anything to do with Hella. I think he's using the living shit out of her. But why? Why present yourself to have your head cut off by Gamora, have a really, really exhausting and shitty new Infinity Gauntlet comic book, and then there you are again. Uh, I'm not questioning it too much because the, the new Thanos comic is great. Anytime there's been a Thanos comic in the last, like, I don't know, 15 years, they're, they're amazing. And obviously it's going to get good. But why? Colin, did you, did, you, did you think to yourself, why? Why would he have gone through all this trouble to kill himself only to get put back into his own body? That is not, and Hella said, yeah, I, I did my best. It's not really perfect. Why? Uh, you know, why? I can only hope that at a certain point, as many times as, you know, you go back and you read the Thanos quest, and uh, he... Uh, He's trying to he's trying to rule the universe at death's side, and then uh, she won't speak to him at the end because he's got the infinity gems. He has the infinity gauntlet, and he's and she won't talk to him still because now she's subservient to him. Right. And he wanders off with the infinity gauntlet, just goes back and looks into the cosmic reflecting pool, and it's like, man, that guy can't win. Even when he wins, he can't win. In the end. Yeah, Thanos should succeed. Thanos wins. That's the problem, is that he can't win when he wins. They already had that story. And then Thanos wins. He has the Infinity Gauntlet. He does what he thinks he needs to do to win Death's affection. And then... And then he gets, you know... Poof, he, you know, he loses the Infinity Gauntlet and he's still alive. And then he dies and he still doesn't get to be with death. And then he comes back and he's wandering around being dangerous again. A dead Thanos is a good thing for the universe because he technically should, shouldn't be capable of doing anything on the material plane. But... What would a dead Thanos do for us all if he was more powerful than, you know, if you strike me down, I should, I'll be more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I mean... I guess I guess scare everyone into thinking that no matter how much you kill him, he's always going to come back and come back even more powerful? I, I, like, let's get rid of the goddess of death at this point, and let's have the god of death. Let's do something dynamically different. It's that, the same complaint wonderful. as we wonderful. have... With, uh, with uh, Galactus being in every storyline. How many times can you keep rolling out the same dangerous bad guy before they are defanged to a point with the, where they no longer matter? We do it again and again and again. And Thanos. The only reason we're doing anything with Thanos is because it's still hot off of Endgame. And this is going to go on, I'm going to say, for at least until Christmas... After the DVD is out and all the Thanos toys and the Lego sets get pulled uh, at the beginning of next year and they're retired and you can't find them. But I'm still finding Infinity War sets and toys. And um, this is going to go on as long as it takes. Ultimately, there needs to be something more powerful or not more powerful, just differently powerful and differently dangerous for them to be dealing with. 
I'm way more entertained by the notion of whatever, you know, the, the Silver Surfer advertisement in here about what the Silver Surfer is going to find on the other side of that black hole. Because that's the Can't story wait. that needs to be told right now. They're in an alternate universe, another reality, a dual dimension. I don't know, but I want to know. I don't need another Thanos-related story. And, yeah, unless Thanos is going to take Death's place... Uh, I don't care. Unless Hela, Hela, I was praying, would be the goddess of death in Infinity War. Um, that would have been awesome. It would have been amazing to have Kate Blanchett play Hela to be a serious god of death character because she flat out says she's the goddess of death. And it pissed me off, and I'm sorry, everybody, I know, and I love it too. Thor Ragnarok was funny and entertaining because they made Thor a clown. I don't think we needed to do that. I don't think that was a good idea. It made more money. I get it. It made people more entertained. But Thor just isn't the Guardians of the Galaxy. And uh, nope. if there's anybody that I should be able to take seriously, it's Captain America and Thor. We already have goofy characters all over the place and quippy characters everywhere. And they're all quipping, even if they're serious. And they all have funny moments. That is America's ass. I mean, that's a funny moment. You know, that's it's great. And he's still a serious guy. It's a ripoff. And Hela could that's have been point. the goddess of death, and it would have been awesome, except that they also made her goofy in that movie. And Thanos wasn't goofy. Thanos kind of cracked a joke here and now there or there, but in the end, it's just it comes down to like, when are we gonna evolve past telling the same stories over and over again? I don't know, man, but whatever's happening right now, all I know is that it made me question why. Yeah. And that question of why has got me on edge, and I'm excited. We got to move on, though. All right, let's do it. I want to move on to farmhand, farmhand number eight. Yeah, I'll tell we, you what, we, real quick. Uh, let's take another, we, we uh, to, another pause, and we're going to resync our stuff cool. because your audio is a little iffy. Cool. All right, so we're going to pause for a second, everybody. Okay, we're back. I'm going to sound sync it. Guys, we're back. We get the auto quality uh, fixed. Uh, I only got a couple more things to wrap up things with. Uh, I want to talk about Black Widow number five. I don't want to talk about anything that happens in this actually at all. I, we know, obviously, you're listening for spoilers. We, we're hoping you're listening to this on the way to the comic book store or before you go to the store on Wednesday, but uh, Widow number five wrapped up and I knew this wouldn't last and I was happy it lasted while it did. We're talking Black Widow number five, writers Jen and Sylvia Soska, Soska sisters, artist Slavonio, Flavonio, cover artist Veronica, Veronica Gandini, letters BC, Joe Carmagna. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, uh, I, 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 all I want to do is read the end letter. That cool, that's the, a good idea because I haven't got to read this book yet. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's we're not taking a shortcut. This this one was juicy, and for anyone that is a fan of the the Batman, the Ultimate Evil, uh, the uh, book that came out, like I want to say, like geez, like ninety six, ninety seven, even earlier. Uh, Jen and Silver wrote it. 
Dearest readers, thank you for coming along with us for this ride. It was a privilege to get to write such a gritty story with one of the most recognizable superheroes in media today, with subject matter that is very real. Unfortunately, in real life, we don't get a Black Widow to clean up the messes. We have to arm ourselves with education and critical thought. We have the power within ourselves to do great things. We wish our grandmother were still here today because she loved grabbing us Marvel Comics as kids. And she would have gotten a big kick out of knowing we were writing our own stories today. We never dreamed we would get such a brilliant opportunity on a book we are so incredibly proud of. We would like to thank our editor, Jake Thomas, who has always gone to bat for us. And, is the, and you've got, he better believe that that guy probably went to bat like crazy for these girls. Yeah, this is tough stuff. W w w women, yeah, this was tough stuff. Who has always gone to bat for us and is the kind of collaborator who makes you do your best, your best work. Lavanio, who created such a genuine human net in a world of horror with his art. Veronica Gandini, whose brilliant colors brought everything to life. Clayton Crane, whose coverters enticed people to pick up the book to pick up the book. Joe Carmaglia and his beautiful lettering, and everyone at Marvel who worked hard to make this book the success it has been. If you're a fan reading this and you have dreams of writing these iconic characters, follow your dreams because if you work hard and treat people with the respect, you will find success. Living a life like that is success. Thank you for reading, and thank you for the kind words online, and thank you for picking up this great book. Well, great book. I actually ended it in. It was a thrill of a lifetime to get to write this series. Your friendly neighborhood Soska sisters, Jen and Sylvie. That's awesome. They yeah. they sla they slaved over that. They slaved over that. And guys, we we've we've reviewed every single Black Widow comic, and it would be an injustice to you to tell you how that ended. The way it wrapped up, the way in 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 I would like for you guys. If you are picking this up on a uh, on a Wednesday, even though it came out last week, like it's like we 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 discussed, you know, pick up the books that you might have missed. Keep in mind that the ultimate evil can never be distinguished, and that is what Nat was really struggling with within all all of these issues. Is that yeah, we can take out these guys that want to have, you know, the ultimate play and this is never gonna go away. These people are in your next door neighbors. They're people you wait tables on, pour drinks for, people you pass on the street that have a, a dark neck registry and there's no raid strong enough like cockroaches or, or rats that you can get rid of and that's that's all I got to say about that one you got any more for today man no I need to read that issue tomorrow morning it's not one of the ones that it was just I read whatever happened to be on top and out of order and then I hit onto the whole spidey thing and I went down the spidey hole but um yeah that's a this is a book that I've been we, we've both been reading this one um I took an extra long break at work for that one to just calm down after reading the the ending of that. If 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 you're thinking the same way I was thinking, um, I hope you have a a good 
mental foothold if that's ever happened to you or if you know something that's happened to and we've said it before if you need help please you know you don't have to be alone just reach out but if only they said it themselves if only there was nat there to to save you but but she's not it, it's it's not gonna happen and if so god bless you uh, i just uh, want to wrap up wrap up with farmhand yeah right on man. number eight uh number eight written created and drawn by rub gilroy colored by taylor wells lettering and logo by coda chamberlain graphic design by burt grant uh, this one was a linchpin, finally. Uh, it's It's been a fun adventure to read Farmhand, but as opposed to when he was doing Shoe and he was just the artist, you know, he had a lot of ex- extra direction, someone a little bit more experienced. He's writing and directing this whole show, but I have not gotten a sense of where the hell this was going to go. And... You know, there's things that are happening outside of the farm because they're they're making the genetically engineered plant-based uh, human organ replacements. And you know, I can tell you how much I love Repo the Genetic Opera, but this is different. And finally, we get the you know the the cream really rose on this one, where the the aging farmer who's created this, and they finally reveal it's not by genetics or science; it's by magic is confronted by one of his earliest patients that had gone blind and was completely blind while in the hospital. And his specialist doctor said, Hey, I got a guy here that can help you. And okay, you're going to help me because that'll be a miracle. Well, can you fix me? He's like, yeah, it'll just take a minute. Like, what do you mean a minute? He's like, this is going to hurt. <laughs> You'll feel a slight sting. And you hear, uh, and you know what's going on if you've read the previous issues that the uh, the plant organs that take over come into your body and they eat the remaining organ that they're replacing. And he's granted the miracle of sight within seconds. He can see pure 2020, if not better. And that was 15, maybe more years ago. And they reveal more of the story between the who's the main character of the farmhand who's there with his strange dad and you get more insight on the his marital status and how they've had fights and you know they've broken up before and the the new mayor of the city hears that some trouble's going down and her eyes light up and she just like transforms into full plant but it's one of those hitchcock reveals where you only see tentacles and her eyes go crazy, but the guy that confronts the, the the farmer that created everything, the his eyeballs have taken complete control of his body. And if you can see what I see, and all of a sudden you get this glimpse of how we can see, like a la the Matrix, when Neo finally sees the code, or um, yeah. uh, or, yeah. e- or, or, <laughs> or 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 even to an even greater extent, the way at the end of a uh, tools. Uh, parable parabola video when the the uh, the the flames engulf the body and you see it disintegrate but not truly disintegrate go into that form where you can see all like all of a sudden the vibrations slow down and your human brain can't control or even possibly contemplate what you're looking at because you don't have the extra dimensional eyes to contemplate what's in front of you um, is what's happening and these plants that 
or within the eye instead of giving random sight had taken control of the body almost completely. Uh, he's completely out of control, this early patient, and this is the meat and potatoes. This is the linchpin. This is where this is going. They finally give us an idea because up until the last issue, it was just like, okay, we've got all these genetic experiments for the plants and things are kind of going wrong. We're trying to hide it the best we can. And, you know, it's grown, it's grown, grown, grown your, beyond your capacity. And this is where it's headed. And it was worth the wait. It was worth the wait. The artwork is that good. The story is meaty enough to that it didn't piss me off that it took us this long to figure out what the hell was going on. Um, the only thing that I could complain about it was it wasn't until this issue I realized this is going to be a finite series, just like Chew. Oh, From really? The best, yeah, this is going there, to... There's... I don't think that... I don't think he's willing to perpetuate this. I think he's got an ending in sight, and and it's going to end, and it's going to be something that's going to be studied, and people are going to have a lot of fun dissecting the art. And I'm happy that we live in an environment right now that it's not going to be 20, 30 years from now and someone finally realizes this is a good book, like Chew or The Beauty or uh, Saga, or even or even to a greater extent, Watchmen, that you know they, they teach that in college now. Yeah. But that that's all I got, man. Uh, all uh, all I want to do is give some previews. Uh, I, I reread Demo the other day. Oh, and no kidding. I wanna do, yeah, I want I want to do a, a a show on that one. And that's a good idea. We should long box Demo. I still have my Demo yeah. button, uh, the badge or whatever you call them, those punky buttons that we all had in the early two thousands. But you got something even juicier on the horizon, don't you? Oh yeah, man. I, I, uh, what was the deal? I was, I don't remember how we got onto the topic, but I was talking to my buddy Mark at the, uh, at, uh, legendary comics in Stillwater. And we were uh, talking about aliens comics and old dark horse books and what, what it was like to go into old stores and see dark horse books on the wall. And, um, yeah, I came up with, uh, uh, well, he recommended it, and I was like, do I have this or not? I'm glad I don't, because I'm excited to read this. Dark Horse Comics, Aliens, Newt's Tale, in two issues, awesome. and they are, they're like paper-bound. And this is some really great, like, you know, 80s art and gore. I think what did this Wait. come out? In the, oh, this came out in 1992. So I'm still gonna qualify that as 80s art. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, Mike Richardson, writer, penciler Jim Somerville, inker Brian Garvey. Uh, cover paintings by John Bolton, and they are creepy. Xenomorphs, Newt. So this it's it's basically a retelling of Aliens from Newt's perspective, and all the time. I think I haven't got to read this yet, but I'm gonna say it's all the time that takes place from when her family brings the initial facehuggers back to uh, the colony from the crashed uh, engineer what, spaceship. Wasn't, wasn't that only in the deleted scene? Sir? It is. Yeah, you can actually watch the deleted scene of the her family driving up to the alien spaceship, the alien crash site. Uh, on the Aliens Director's Cut DVDs and probably some other places too. Um, 
Well, you can even watch versions of Aliens where it's edited into the movie. You can make that movie into like a two and a half hour uh, endurance challenge. And it's freaking great, you know. Uh, the pacing changes completely, but uh, you get the whole robot guns thing in the corridor. It's badass. I mean, Aliens is still... Sometimes yeah. it's my favorite movie. Sometimes it's competing Agreed. for that uh, privilege alongside, like, Glory and The Empire Strikes Back or Wrath of Khan and some other stuff, but... Uh, well, we'll, 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 do that ne- we'll do that next week, man. Yeah, I'll read it. I'll All read right. it. I'll let you guys know. It was cool. It's an old one. It's 1992. Older. It's almost as old as I am. I'm actually much older than that. But anyway, all right. Let's uh, let's let's go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. It's good night. It's good night. Uh, I hope you guys really enjoy this. Uh, as you're waiting to get out of work or on your way to work before you get to the comic store, and hopefully your comic store is open when it's time to get off of work and. Hopefully they remember to pull all your pools because I know goddamn sure my place always got my pools, man. But uh, that's all I got. Speaking of pools, I hope you, uh, if you live anywhere near me, that your comic books are safe and not in a pool because it is flooded like crazy outside. And I'm on the second floor with my long boxes, so. All right, good Dude, night. Dude, I, I moved out of Oklahoma. <laughs> for that I'm not, I'm not, not just yeah. for that reason. Tell right, it, we'll start off you. with your tornado story. You and yours and my tornado story next time. Cool. All right. Over and out. Over and out. The transmission is over. <laughs>